2: To this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios right here in Northwest Pennsylvania. Um, it is Valentine's Day, February fourteenth, two thousand seventeen. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone out there, uh, to the ladies out there. God bless you. I hope your husbands, especially someone in your life, I hope they did uh, express to you how much they do love you. That's about all I could do with my wife. Just say, "Hey, babe." Uh, got to go to work and and i did that via note no less and that was i don't know 14 hours ago so anyway but pro flowers yeah saved me as well as uh sherry's berries hopefully that'll make make up for things but i I seriously I, i would like to wish everyone a just a wonderful day today um Thank you so much for your belief and your trust in us as we, as we look at these uh, events together. Uh, folks, we, we've, we're, we're really, we've got headlines after, headline after headline after headline that's really, uh, uh, swamping us. Um, the left, the progressive radical Marxist Leninist left, just very quickly, with respect to Flynn, Michael Flynn, I did a video today um, and I would urge everyone to go to our official YouTube channel just go to hagmanreport.com, click on the YouTube channel or hagman and hagmancom click on the YouTube channel check out the 12 minute video I did um, with respect to the backstory on Flynn yes uh, there was some snarkiness by um, Philippe rains the deputy assistant attorney of uh, Secretary of State uh, under Clinton and also somebody that had his hands on the pie, of uh, the uh, internet pie Uh Okay. Will do. Is there... Is there hey, hang on. Folks, just talk amongst yourselves for a second. All right. This is interesting. Uh, okay. Our, our YouTube link... Uh, for those listening, we just got to notice here. Uh, Eric, the tech just said, okay, keep stalling because our right. YouTube link is broken. But
3: I'm going to check on our end. Uh, all right. See what's going on.
2: We have well, a great show lined up for Yeah, you. We, do, we do. We uh, do.
3: Assuming... We will be able to broadcast, but we yeah, can broadcast regardless of YouTube. Uh oh, not. I mean, you know, yeah, we, we'll, we'll fix this.
2: This is ridiculous. Uh, we, we're not gonna, and you know what? Debbie it says, just, uh, just hold on for a sec. It says live stream starting soon. Okay. Well, let's let's get into the back end of that and fix this. Um, no, uh, but, but I did do a, uh, a, a video earlier today, it's up there on our official YouTube channel. Please uh, check that out. And, um, uh, again, we're looking at the Flynn resignation, but the backstory is Hillary Clinton's uh, friend, uh, Philippe Raines, sent out a rather snarky email pertaining to uh, General Flynn as well as Michael Flynn, uh, General Flynn's son, about the Pizzagate reference. Remember, back in December, and uh I look folks, I have a feeling that that was uh um there there's some issues there with respect to that, so uh check that check that out too. That's the backstory you know what goes around comets around is what uh Philip Barain said and then Hillary Clinton retweeted that, and of course that's reference to comet ping pong pizza, and I just think that there's a whole lot of there there. The leaks themselves are the issue, not the uh, not not the uh, story about Flynn doing what he would do normally as, and uh, um, you know, as he was preparing to take uh, take office, and the leaks are coming from Obama. Uh, even before the transition, you had Obama Rhodes, um, you had um, uh, Brennan, of course. If if the if if NBC was looking at classified documents transcripts that is, which would have a classification, the story now here is not Flynn. The story is how they got those classified documents. So that's something I would really urge everyone to look at very carefully. All right, now hang on just a second, folks. Are, are we fixing this or is this? A, no, no, I, I I'm. Okay, so we are live via Global Star and Blog Talk. Okay, so, and, and we're coming back up, hopefully, right here on, on YouTube. Well, what is the issue with YouTube? And how does that happen? Okay, we need answers on this. All, all hands on deck, uh, John and and JD. If you're listening to this, and I know you are, all hands on deck. Look, we need we need to get this up and running. We're not going to keep this lady waiting. All right. So, uh, but having said all of that, um, it's 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 something to keep your eyes on, and also I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be looking at, or I'm going to be doing a uh, uh, providing a, a full re- recap. Of up to date investigative analysis at the uh, Awaken to the Shaken Conference in Gurney, Illinois. That's just north of Chicago. That is on May 5th. Folks, go to paulbigleyprophecy.com and uh, check the box or look for Awaken to the Shaken uh, link there and sign up for that. Uh, man, if you, I'm going to tell you something. Russ Dizro is going to be there. Paul Begley, Joe, and I are going to be there. It's going to be a fantastic conference, and that is in May fifth. I think it's May fourth or fifth, uh, uh, or fifth and sixth, fourth, fifth. I'm not exactly sure. 100 sure. I think it's fifth and sixth. Uh, so schedule yourself accordingly for that. Of course, a nice broadcast brought to you by Healthmasters. HealthMasters.com. If you haven't, if you haven't done so already, go to HealthMasters.com. There, order your multiple vitamins, Ultimate Multiple. And uh, also order your uh, your your cortisol buster. That's a new product. And let me tell you something: that provides clarity, mental clarity. That provides uh, a lot of things, stress relief. It's a de stressor It it's it's a it, again mental clarity. Um, and look at the various packages there: the Hodges package, the Hagman package, blood sugar package, the immune system package. Look at all of the different packages. But I certainly would. Absolutely recommend everyone getting their uh, getting their supplements via HealthMasters.com and use the coupon code Doug Five for five percent off your purchases. All right, as we work on the uh, the YouTube situation, which apparently uh, I, you know, I, uh, all right, here we go. We're we're apparently we are getting some progress on that. The, Debbie Bachigalupi is a woman that uh, well she she's a California cattle rancher. She's in demand throughout the West as an educational speaker, inspirational speaker. But she's got knowledge on Agenda 21, the 2030 Agenda, cap and trade, sustainable development, property rights, dams and water rights, and so on. I mean, she is one smart cookie. She's the ambassador at large for technocracy.news. It's a website, of course, that's operated by Patrick Wood, and she has a lot of great information and and she, she yeah. has attended many conferences that include the 2012 United Nations Conference on Sustainable Development COP21, the um, 2015 UN Paris Climate Change Conference, navigating the American carbon world uh, on cap and trade, and so on. I can go on and on. She co-produced and or inspired timely documentaries, including Blue, No Water, No Farmer, No Food, and Wolves in Government Clothing. All that focus on how aggressive environmental policy is harming rural America. You know, discouraged by the erosion of rural America, she ran for the U.S. House of Representatives back in twenty twelve. Miss uh holds a B.S. degree in business and master's in business administration and is certified is a certified meeting professional in sommelier. I did not know what that was until until we we started with wink. Um, that's actually a wine taster, so or you know a selector of wine, wine expert. So I'm not even sure if I pronounced that right, but we're gonna be bringing her on in a second. Just bear with us, just for a moment, please. One minute now, folks. Those those of you who are listening to this, or I, I guess it's almost a nonsense to, to think that uh, people are listening via YouTube, right? So if uh, you're waiting for the show. If you're looking for the YouTube link, you're listening to this via other methods, you want to watch this, just check our website, Hagman and com. Momentarily, it'll be up. Unsure exactly what happened, but uh just a broken link, apparently. So having said that. But we're going to wait until this is all up so we can have 100% with Debbie without any problems. And, uh, so, so that's that. Also, again, about the, uh, about the news of the day, you know, it's amazing if you, if you turn to the liberal channels, the MSNBCs and, and what have you. I started with Morning Joe about six o'clock just to watch, uh, I guess it was six o'clock this morning just to watch what they were talking about. And there's blood in the water with respect to the resignation on Flynn. And they're looking for additional, uh, I, I don't want to say resignations, but looking for additional, uh, Victims, shall we say, in the administration. Alright, looks like we're up and running. Good to go. Alright, very good. So watch that. The story is not the resignation. The story is about the leaks. Now let's do, uh, if, if, Todd, if you can hear us from Global Star Radio, let's, let's not do the bottom of the hour break. Let's give Debbie our 100% time since we're late on this and let's just go right through to Debbie Pachigalupe. Debbie, are you with us?
4: I am. Can you hear me?
2: We can. Yes, and we can. And we can see you. And we can great. see you. And this is great. We apologize for the delay. So we're going to go right through the to the top of the hour so you have the complete floor.
4: Oh, great. So we're talking Oroville Dam, right?
2: Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And, yep.
4: and the horrible water situation in California, correct?
2: Yes. Yeah, lay it out for us because I, you know, I've gotten so many conflicting emails. People in the area. I've got one email saying that we are spreading fear and inciting panic by even talking about this.
3: And we really just reported on the story and talked about the 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 potential danger that that uh, the dam in California faces if more water and storm uh, this more storms bring more water in, and things are not fixed. And what one thing we saw. Is the media um, did a lot of, of footage of when when portions of the dam broke? They they showed the running water through there, and it seemed to repeat the coverage. People weren't getting new information, and they even saw today that they're telling people from evacuated areas to come back um, to certain p- parts. And and we know that the damage and the potential for damage is just at the very beginning, and it's very confusing. Yeah. So it's
4: what- still out there. So so more damage is you know and potential for. Major emergency and evacuation is still out there because there's a, you know, storm coming back in and we also have warmer weather and we got tons of snow this year despite all the global warming hype. We got tons of snow this year. So, you know, with the melting of the snow in the Sierra Nevadas and, and in the surrounding areas, uh, you know, just swelled with water and potential flooding in different areas from all the water, you know, we've got a mismanaged System in California, a mismanaged infrastructure that our own state government, you know, not just Jerry Brown, but the administration, Schwarzenegger administration before him, have not taken care of our infrastructure. Not not just our dams, but our roads as well. They have been so focused on. You know, this radical environmental, we gotta protect planet earth. We've gotta take care of the fish first before they've been taking care of the people. And so there are big fears still. And I have tons and tons of friends. Um, in fact, my dad's best college buddies live in the area that's being impacted in and around the Oroville Dam that who are so concerned still. And there are a lot of evacuees, although they've loosened up, like in Butte County, they've loosened up areas where, you know, the threat is not as what they think it was. But you know what? To let people back into the area, I think, is is dangerous because we don't know what the impact of the the next storm coming through over the next four or five days is going to do to that area. So it's maddening for someone who is in the agriculture industry, for six generations now, my family's been ag in California and it's maddening that they, that our government, that, that the people in charge and the bureaucracies, the self-appointed bureaucracies that have been appointed by either a gov- this governor or the governor before are reckless and careless with the lives of the people who inhabit this state. It seems that they're more involved in taking care of, and I'm going to offend some people right here and too bad, illegal immigrants who are coming in and it seems they want to take care of them more than they want to take care of our infrastructure. We are spending tons of money on people who aren't coming here lawfully, who may be good people and hard workers, but aren't coming here lawfully. We are spending our money on on things like that instead of in, – uh, Spending the money, or Jerry Brown's, you know, high-speed rail to nowhere, or this tunnel, this twin tunnel um, in the delta for Jerry's Jerry Brown's water system, which is going to, you know, require massive amounts of land, um, you know, disruption of planet Earth, and um, probably avoiding environmental impact reports and studies so that he could get his twin tunnels through as as immediately as he can, including a new dam that Jerry Brown wants to to build called the Sites Dam, which happens to be right near Jerry Brown's farm, at the same time trying to destroy, I'm not kidding, and we've talked about this before, destroy the largest uh, dam system in the United States of America. Well, actually, let me rephrase that. There is an, an agenda in California right now to destroy, at least, minimum, at the start, four clean, green, hydroelectric dams on the Klamath River. This is the largest dam destruction project in worldwide history. And California obviously needs water. We need a government. We need people to uh, forecast the years of drought that California historically has. Look, guys, California has always been a drought-ridden state. We have had historic drought. We've had historic floods all throughout our history. The reason that California is on the map as once the the fifth largest economy in the world, I don't know what we've dropped to with, you know, total mismanagement of taxpayer funds and California's natural resources and California's built infrastructure, you know, from years and years past, a state that keeps growing and growing and growing in population, There is no sight in controlling that population, especially as being on the border of Mexico. You know, it just seems like they are not concerned about the amount of people who are here in California, but rather the amount of people they can push into megacities like the One Bay Area Plan in San Francisco or the regionalized area. We're already regionalized in San Francisco, which means they start dissolving borders because we're all one big happy family. So why do we need... You know, fire departments all over the place. Can't we just share all resources and become one? Why does that matter? I know I'm all over the place, you guys, but let me go. I'm having a little fun here. So, you know, when you have this regional plan and this stuff, you know, and and you don't need, um, you know, fire departments all over, and you don't need police departments all over, and you know what? Eventually, you're not going to need your mayor, and you're not going to need your city council because if we're all one and we're all the same, what's the point in you going to the polls and voting? This is what it's all about, giving control over to people who mismanage our infrastructure, mismanage our natural resources, take care of themselves. Like Jerry Brown is trying to take care of his own little ranch somewhere where Sites Dam is, and he's supposedly getting ready to, um, to, uh, frack. And because there's, he's right on supposedly, um, an oil preserve. On that area, so we're going to destroy the Klamath River dams, which is ridiculous. It's reckless. It's 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 crazy, and we're not going to work on the Oroville Dam and the spillway. You know, but twelve years later, we're going to put people in harm's way. But what we're going to work on are Jerry Brown's pet projects. I'm mad, you guys.
3: <laughs> no,
2: I can see that. <laughs> well, let me clear up one thing. You're not, based on your proximity, you're not in any danger with respect to the dam, right?
4: Well, not physical danger, no. But go ahead.
2: No, go ahead. okay. When you say not physical danger, yeah, in terms of the dam spillage, you, 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 your property, uh, you're located yeah. far enough away. Okay, all right. I just want to make sure. Yes,
4: my parents, my parents' cattle ranch is north. It's it's, it, but it is in the Klamath River Basin. So destruction of that dam will then do something. We'll, we'll expand into, and this is where people, even in Oroville, need to think about their water rights. The, the rice farmers, the ranchers, um, the the um, crops, the um, walnut farms, they need to start considering when those dams, when that dam, if that water is gone, where are they going to start getting their water? For those who rely on stored water, where are you going to get your water? I have a feeling what's going to happen is in California. Because water is the reason we are on the map. The only reason California is, you know, the breadbasket of the nation is because we were able to take water from the north part of the state and distribute it throughout San Joaquin Valley, which is, you know, a, a desert. It, we're arid. We're hot here. You know, we're we're um we we tend to be an arid climate, and that's perfect for growing crops and food and nutrient dense food when you can add water to it. So California is based on this, um, you know, this water system where we're taking water from one area and taking it into San Francisco, for example. So we take it from, um, uh, Yosemite and feed that, you know, fresh, clean water into San Francisco. So San Francisco's can have their excellent water. And from the north part of the state, like Shasta, we, it starts to distribute sometimes even all the way down to San Diego. And along its way, we go into the San Joaquin Valley. Which is where you get, you know, just enormous amounts of uh, different crops that go around and feed the world. We did not need to import our food from Mexico, but now all of a sudden we're importing our food from Mexico. We had, we could, we did take care of the nation at one point, as far as, or, or it was stated that we could. So we are not in harm's way. But when you think about, if water is not controlled. And they're letting all the water either wash out to sea because they didn't work on this dam, even though they knew 12 years ago there could be some issues down the road, or we're letting water out to sea for a delta smelt that's about the size of my pinky, which is what we call a truck and haul fish. They call it an indicator fish. They say it's an indicator fish because it's supposed to um, be like a, um, a barometer of how healthy the water is. But that fish is a truck and haul fish, which means that we take those kind of fish from a certain area and we truck them into other areas. So it's not a native species like they want us to believe. It's a truck and haul fish. It's planted. But anyway, so whether it's, you know, the Delta smelt or some three-legged, two-eyed, two-pink-eyed frog in the Sierra Nevadas or whatever they want to make up, all the, the most of the, the water is being reserved for not farming and ranching and providing food for people, but rather for the environment. And in in Agenda 21, which you know I, I speak every day about Agenda 21 in my life, wherever I am, whether it's in a grocery store line or at church or wherever, I'm talking about Agenda 21. Under Agenda 21, United Nations Agenda 21 Sustainable Development, the environment comes first and people come second. So we're not in danger physically, but we are in danger of losing our water rights, our adjudicated riparian water rights throughout California as water becomes more scarce and scarce and is treated as gold and is not distributed as it once was, but is uh, recklessly managed and then only um, if you're going along to get along in this new agenda called Agenda 21 for the 21st Century or Sustainable Development or the New Urban Agenda or the 2030 Agenda or whatever name they come up with next, if you're not going along to get along, you're out. Hmm. And that's that's where we're in danger.
1: Okay. All
2: right. Now, I, and I apologize in case people are just joining us. Or our guest is Debbie Bocicolupi website, technocracy.news. She's the, um uh, ambassador at large, editor, or, uh, assistant editor of that new, of that website, expert on Agenda 21, all things related to, uh, the technocracy, and a, a proponent of, well, a proponent of the, uh, of the anti-Agenda 21 uh, agenda. Now, uh, Debbie, let me just, again, just to, for those people joining us late, the Oroville Dam situation. Dangerous. I mean, extremely dangerous at this point. Just give us a, a, a thumbnail recap again.
4: Well, I don't think anybody really knows, and I don't think we can trust. I we, we haven't been able to trust our government so far, and I don't. You know, I honestly don't know who to believe. I know that I've talked to friends who are live in Yuba City, um, Sutter Buttes, in that area, and they're very, very concerned. They have been. Um, the water is the the snowmelt hasn't even begun. We have another storm coming in uh the spillway is is you know just crumbling um the the dam is based on a ground system, a, a you know dirt system. They never it, you know it, it was it, it is a reckless situation and I don't think anybody has a, a you know their thumb on how right. dangerous potentially the situation is.
2: all right. So so we really don't know. I mean, no one knows. But but we know, as according to what you said, this situation didn't happen overnight. It's been 12-plus years in the making. They could have fixed this long ago. They didn't. They chose not to. Diverted monetary resources elsewhere. Yeah. It's on them. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So, yeah, keep going. Take it where you want to go. Yeah,
4: and, you know, here's the thing, and I know a lot of people already know this, and if you don't, Dams are in disfavor. In fact, um, this is this is one of the books that I uh, I've read. It's called the Global Biodiversity Assessment Report. It's Lightning. the United Nations Environment Program. This is the Bible for environmentalism and the marching orders for the environment in the 21st century. That Jerry Brown, in his biodiversity, so this is called the Global Biodiversity Assessment Report. Very thick. I You can see my little, my little uh, notes in here. And Jerry Brown, in his biodiversity um, um, website, had noted, oh, here it is, references this document. So Jerry Brown is the governor of California. Jerry Brown showed up at the first United Nations Rio Earth Summit in 1992. He was a presidential candidate at that time, and he declared in his speech, which you can find this online. It's rather difficult to find, but you can email me at dbacigalupi at gmail.com. You can go to technocracy.news, and, and, and you can find me there. But he, Jerry Brown, in his speech as a presidential candidate, who showed up to the first Rio Earth Summit in 1992, where which is where they promulgated United Nations Agenda 21 to the world, the same year that Nancy Pelosi, Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi, authored under George Herbert Walker Bush, United Nations Agenda 21, Sustainable Development, H.R. Conres 353, into the United States of America. Now, it didn't pass. But it was soft lawed into the United States of America, and then the next year, the following year in 2000 or 1993, George, or, or pardon me, Bill Clinton, President Bill Clinton at that time, had Executive Order 12852. What's Executive 12 uh, Order 12852? It's the President's Council on Sustainable Development. Okay, so Debbie, what does that mean? Before I get back to Jerry Brown and this, it means. And this is a book called Agenda 21, Your Summit Strategy to Save Our Planet, edited by Daniel C. Tars. In fact, many people have heard of this book recently because Paul Dreesen, Dr. Paul Dreesen, wrote an art- article about um, sustainable development, and he even quoted what I'm going to read to you right now, which is what is Agenda 21 and why is are people like Debbie Bajagaluppi? Every day, you know, running around, some would say like our chi- like a chicken with their head cut off or the sky is falling, talking about Agenda 21. And why do I believe this is the most important talk- topic everybody should know about? Because effective execution of Agenda 21 will require profound reorientation of all human society unlike anything the world has ever experienced. A major shift in the priorities of both governments and individuals and an unprecedented redeployment of human and financial resources. This shift, listen to this, will demand that a concern for the environmental consequences of every human action. What's a human action? Breathing, right?
2: Okay, sure.
4: Yeah. Yep. Building dams, yes? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Lives to having livestock, farming, agriculture, cars, homes, um, Drinking wine. Everything. Everything. It says every human action be integrated into individual and collective decision-making at every level. Okay, so this was Executive Order 12852, President's Council on Sustainable (coughs) Development, 1993. Executive Order 12852 went into every government resource or, or agency. They had to, because it was an executive order, they had to. To this day... We have groups like the Army Corps of Engineers, the um, USGS, the United States Geological Survey, the Department of Fish and Game, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, all these different agencies, the Bureau of Land Management, marching to the tunes of an executive order that happened in 1993, but then was so infiltrated into saving planet Earth, that to this day it is still the marching orders of these agencies, which is why you see across the board fish and game departments now moving into fish and wildlife departments, because it's about saving the environment first and not providing food and sustenance for people first. Look at our forests, for example, the same things that are happening with dams. We are mismanaging our forests such that our forests are so dense, There's so many trees that if there is a wildfire or if there is a you know a um an accident and somebody's camping and there's a you know they accidentally start a fire or a car sparks a fire that we can't stop these forests they burn long hard and deep to where they're destroying our forests altogether. Well, the same thing is happening with dams. They don't like dams. They don't like peep. They don't like people touching things. They want people off the dams. So in this book the uh, Global Biodiversity Assessment, there's a section on dams and why dams are in disfavor. And what it says about uh, the disfavor of dams is, um, as of 1988, some 39,000 large dams had been constructed, creating reservoirs larger in total than the area of California or France. These ra- reserva- reservoirs created by dams therefore represent substantial new auto aquatic habitats um, through these tend to be occupied by common and widespread species. But why is that so bad? Because dam construction, it says, is the most obvious human intervention leading to the loss of wetlands habitat. Nice. Dams, dams therefore, um, and rivers are also being influenced, it says, through human activities in their... Um, catchments which are being influenced by embankments, draining, deforestation, urbanization, and industry, and dam building, and it goes on and on and on, about how human beings touching rivers and dams and creating dams is destroying the biodiversity of planet Earth. Now going to this document, which Jerry Brown referenced in his biodiversity report called the Global Biodiversity Strategy, this is the global biodiversity assessment so for those people who think that the united nations agenda 21 only you know is is um it's voluntary it's not because we even have government resources referring to documents by the united nations saying that we need to um uh follow along with what the united nations is suggesting like for example bruce babbitt under uh, president clinton he was the uh, secretary of the Department of Interior under Clinton. Here's what Bruce Babbitt had to say about dams. And this, he said this only, um, uh, five, five years ago, 2012. With public opinion now moving our way nationally and in the Northwest, we ratcheted up our efforts in Congress to finish off the Elwha dams slowly. That's in the state of Washington, by the way slowly by the way this is an Olympic Park these dams created lakes two lakes the lakes were uh, just had a plethora of birds there's they're no longer there because the dams were destroyed the dams were then let out um, the the concrete and the debris were just let out to go out to the ocean destroying other habitat but that was okay because it fit their agenda to get rid of dams so we ratcheted up our efforts in Congress to finish off the ElLA dams slowly at what seemed a glacial, pays, pardon me, funding started to flow financially or finally coming to fruition in the Obama administration. In other words, it took them years and years and years to get the Elwha destruction, dam destruction financed, and it happened under under, uh, Obama. So, So, just to be
2: clear, Bruce Babbitt's a moron, right?
4: He is a radical environmentalist who's actually now working in California. He's been... Tasked as a consultant for environmental issues here in California and, and Eric Holder, by the way. So these, these radical people who have had a legacy or leaving a legacy of, of, behind of putting, putting frogs and fish and, and some, you know, cricket or uh, beetle before, uh, the, the basic needs of, of human beings and the, the basic um, needs of farmers and ranchers to provide, you know, local, healthy, nutrient, dense rich food to the local people and the local economy, which, you know, could get into, um, the whole idea behind public lands and how public lands are, you know, destroying the local economy. I'm, I add that in, Doug, because if you just add up all the different pieces that are happening in rural America, whether it's wolves being released, into our landscapes from Canada and being brought in from New Me- or from Mexico, so Mexican and Canadian gray wolves, to the forest being, um, you know, you can't you can't timber because of you know the supposed spotted owl, which our own Fish and Game now called Fish and Wildlife Department admitted that it's not because of old growth forests disappearing. That's not why. Or the timbering it's because the barred owl is mating with the spotted owl to create you know to decline the population of the spotted owl so you've got um an infrastructure in you know our roads being depleted um you've got ranchers and farmers who are being told that because of some endangered species they can't they can't um, grade their land they can't use tractors in areas they can't uh, dust is now a pollutant so you're, minim, you're minimalized in how much you can grade your, your property. Um, when it comes to water, there could be some endangered fish that they claim, like the coho salmon on the Klamath River or the Delta Smelt. Um, so there's all these different things that are happening that are destroying rural America's ability to, and then all the regulations that people in cities vote for, who, have, who are just really clueless or don't care what it takes to provide someone with a farm farm to fork uh, meal. You know, and 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 just taking um you know having the convenience of living in cities, you know, they're far removed from what it takes to live in rural America and how difficult it is not even, you know, not even to mention just working with mother nature, which is why I think um that people should still be concerned about Oroville Dam. Who knows Oroville Dam and and the reservoir? Who knows when the next storm is going to come up? Whether it's a larger storm or what or the the impact down the road. So to say that that you know, perhaps let's say this 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 weather system disappears. Who knows when the next weather system comes in? You know, down down the way that you know it's still not enough time to repair. Uh, the, the great, um, you know, the, 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 whatever you want to say to repair, uh, the spillway and really add infrastructure, um, and to, to make Oroville Dam safe. And you know, the, and then there's the, the mental side of that that I just thought of. I couldn't imagine what it must be like to live in that area going forward, not knowing um, you know the future of that dam sure and living near it could you imagine living near there and just not it, it's just it's it's a big question what is you know how how are we safe are we safe and
2: exactly right with respect to the dam itself uh, I mean okay so obviously the, the answer to, to the to the initial question is is the dam going to hold uh, the the answer is don't know um the uh, potential evacuations considering that tomorrow a storm a 7-day rain event is predicted uh, in in northern california in, in that area of california uh, that will affect the dam the the water levels of the dam if that dam breaks just imagine the property damage, the crop damage, the the displacement of the population, the loss, potential loss of life. All of this. What I want to know, Debbie, is is again, I want to. I, I like a, because if I lived there, or even if I don't, live I mean, I don't live there, but but to me, the people who are living there are vi- being are being victimized by an agenda of these of these morons. I'll say it again, these idiots. And I want to know who these idiots are. You've got obviously you've got uh, Moonbeam Brown, Moonbeam Brown over there. You got Bruce Babbitt, as you had mentioned. Every every everyone uh, author, every author or contributor to the Agenda Twenty One, yeah, Obama,
4: bilateral commission, and the Council on Foreign Relations, yeah, okay, yeah, these connect the dots people who seem to always be there or be involved somehow, right. And it is—it's reckless behavior, and and you know, and in California, we have a real issue with the environmental groups getting a a being stakeholders at these meetings, where and 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 these environmental groups who seem to have more say on what happens on private property, and whether or not that's true, it it, it just seems that way that. That where are we the people who at the table where, you know, and, and that goes back to the Klamath River dams, for example, over 15 years of secret meetings happened with environmental groups, with people in Washington, DC, and with people in California, you know, it's the Sacramento, the state capital where, you know, Jerry Brown, um, roost from and, and people from Portland, Oregon, and yet we the people in Siskiyou County my parents and a whole bunch of other ranchers and farmers and concerned citizens didn't even know about these secret meetings to remove these four clean green reliable um clean energy uh, dams that provide drought control flood control fire suppression irrigation recreation and you know a plethora of ecosystem benefits 24/7 water um three hundred and sixty five days a year of irrigation and water and 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 water for fish, and what people are being told is that those dams need to be destroyed, not removed, it's destroyed. it's breaching. what's breaching? It's like punching a hole in in the dams, and then with the power of the water in the storage lakes behind all these dams, that water is going to force the breakage of these dams. So 187 miles up from the ocean, from the Pacific Ocean, is the first dam, Iron Gate, it's the largest. That would, So when you breach that, you've got 20 million cubic yards of sediment, pollutants, debris, behind these dams that's going to wash its way, you know, 60-plus years out to the ocean. All the environmental damage for what? To save a fish? So what's their excuse in Oroville? for not fixing that spillway. They had 12 years to fix it. Well, I declared, uh, I declare that the reason that they didn't fix it is because in the 21st century, dams are in disfavor. And what Bruce Babbitt said, I didn't finish it, he said, others will have their compelling priorities and there are still 75,000 dams for consideration. 75,000 dams for consideration of removal across the United States. We're talking major infrastructure. We're talking billions and billions of cubic feet of acre water that that we need for drought control, fire control, irrigation, all those things I mentioned earlier. So, you know, I think people across the United States should be just angry about what's going on in California. We're not all a bunch of nut jobs. There are good people who are working their tails off night and day, not getting paid, um, getting you know, in meetings in public meetings, getting laughed at and scolded by these environmental groups and these people from cities who are paid, you know, paid to come in by buses, whether it's you know, to stop the wolf introduction into California or to save our dams. By the way, that that reminds me that we do, we are culpable and Californians are culpable in some way. Back in 2014, yeah. in the ballot was a proposition called Prop 1, and it was the water bond bill. And people in Siskiyou County who have been really fighting hard, this is also the state of Jefferson area, because, um, rural America is very rural, and, and it's where my parents' ranch is. They had, you know, because of the Klamath River Dam issue, and, and tributaries, um, to that dam. So if, and when, which by the year 2020 is when they want to start breaching these dams. Um, and I don't know if Trump knows about this. I sure hope he finds out. But if Hillary Clinton won, missed sustainable development, I guarantee you those dams would be coming down. I guarantee it. So, um, So what we were doing in Siskiyou County as Prop 1 was making its way around California, we were telling people, do not vote for this bond. It was a 7 point something billion bond, dollar bond, but when you add in the interest, it's a $14 billion bond that was supposed to supposedly fix our water infrastructure. We have no new storage. In fact, we're losing water. But what it says in here, and this is why I say that we are partly guilty, because overwhelmingly, People in California on all sides of the political aisle voted for this proposition, even though I went around the state dressed up as a big pig to say this bond is full of environmental pork. Why is it full of environmental pork? Because it even says in this bond, we must remove fish barriers. What's a fish barrier?
2: Uh, 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 a I say a dam?
4: Uh, a dam is a fish barrier. So we voted... For dam removal, and
3: and so anyway, I, I just hope that people okay. read. Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's a a lot going uh, on there. Um, kind of yeah. if we can, Debbie, if we can switch gears while we got you here, um, there's been a story that's that's um started last week, made it through this week, has not gotten a lot of coverage. Deals with the Paris uh, Climate Summit Agreement. Uh, that was signed, the weather manipulation, uh, the global warming number manipulation perpetrated by NOAA has come out in the news. Uh, Last week it came out that NOAA had manipulated data and temperature data in order to uh, make it appear as though the earth was warming. Then it came out that they manipulated data uh, when they said there was a a global uh, cooling period all of it made up in order to promote the man-made climate change lie, or at least the man-made climate change lie the government feeds us for purposes of Agenda 21 and the sustainable development. Does that vindicate all the other uh, climate scientists who came out and said, it is not a man-made issue, the the, uh, dangers are not as as severe as people are making it? You know, Al Gore's uh, assertion that, you know, we should already be underwater if you live within thirty feet of the coast. I mean, what kind of, what what credibility do these people have left?
4: Well, here's the problem with that, and thanks for bringing that up because you know that is an area that's near and dear to my heart since I did go to the uh, Paris Climate Conference uh, in 2000, December 2015. And I, a lot of these scientists who you're talking about are my friends. Dr. Willie Soon, uh, Dr. Patrick Moore, who started Greenpeace. He, you know, he was the co-founder and he was the president at one time and he quit Greenpeace, the company, st- the organization he started, because he says it turned too radical for the environment and, you know, the people were forgotten. So, um, and Dr. Easton Markle, all these remarkable scientists, who were part of the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, and they were tasked with doing reports on climate, on on carbon dioxide, its impact on Earth. And because these scientists, their reports, their studies did not match the United Nations, Then we had that whole movement where, oh, we had those climate scientist deniers and we should put them in jail, and which we're still hearing that, you know, people saying, no, global warming is true and it's man-made and the climate change deniers, they should be put in jail. And let me tell you, if Hillary Clinton was put into office, I guarantee you, we would be marching to the Paris Agreement right now, full force. Mm -hmm. So will they be vindicated? I do not know. Because we still do not have control of the media, which is why groups like you, you know, shows like yours, I think, are fabulous. Even though they want to say that we're the fake news, right? Um, we need shows like yours. We need independent people going out and being the investigators. You know, Sundance Film Festival, and this is where we're going to get in trouble. Sundance Film Festival uh, this year, at they're very snowy, blizzardy freezing cold film festival this year launched a new um, series for future Sundance film festivals and I'm sure it's going to um, um, make its way into other film festivals around the world. this new the, it's called the new Climate and a series of documentaries, special projects, um, short clips and what it, they are about are climate change and global warming. And overwhelmingly, these films um, preach that climate change is caused by capitalism and greed and colonization and white man is what these films and and in the panel discussions, if you you know peek in, which I did into some of the things that happened in Sundance, you'll see that overwhelmingly this was what was going on. In fact. You should go to cfac.org or climatedepot.com or .org and check out some of the stuff that they they do. They work with these scientists that you're talking about, these good people who know that science is never settled. By the way, this is where Patrick really, Patrick Wood and Technocracy News really starts to take off because under a technocracy, everything is settled via some scientific dictatorship. And this is why we hear... Or heard Obama and John Kerry and Al Gore and all these other people saying, and even the public, which is what I'm, who I'm concerned about because there are more people, you've got tons of people believing the rhetoric that, you know, capitalism is bad and we need to stop capitalism because it's causing man-made global warming and greed is bad and eating meat is bad and driving cars is bad and all those things are bad to planet earth. You know, that's where we need to worry, where we need to tap in and reach people is through education and in and the, and the schools. But if people are being told that, oh, yeah, here's the science, there's a new movie that will be coming out called um, Chasing Coral, and it's it's a beautiful movie. It's gorgeous. It's about the Great Barrier Reef. And the story is all about the dying of the coral reefs through this process called bleaching. And what they say, it's because of man-made global warming. So when you're, if you're watching this film, you're going, oh my gosh, are we really that bad? Are we really causing, cause look, they have these scientists, they have these guys, this, these normal, you know, kind of guys and these scientists and these groups of people who just are really cool and cute and whatever. And they seem like they know their stuff diving down and oh my gosh, and look at the bleaching of the, the, you know, the coral and how it's dying. But you know what? Movies and documentaries, they can give you a spin. Uh, a twisted spin where you don't even know the truth. And here's what I say to people, and and um, all the time, if people say, "Oh, you don't believe in global warming," I think the Earth cools and warms all the time, all over the place. It's happening exactly. right now. It's happening in my little office here right now. <laughs> and then when people tell me, "Oh, well, the polar ice caps and the polar bears," and and my first thing, you guys, to people is, "Have you seen with your own two eyes?" and heard with your own two ears and touched with your own two hands what you're telling me is true. And it's always, no, I haven't. But Al Gore or so-and-so said. So I challenge people with the idea of don't be someone who is just, you know, throwing out secondhand smoke. Be the person who, you know, picks up that cigarette and if you want to, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying. Be the person who don't smoke. But, you know, that was a bad example. Well,
2: you, you know I didn't mean to interrupt your your thought there but I just want before the end of the before we run out of time I just want to say this what you said is so important because Obama staying in D.C. Okay, you mentioned about Hillary Clinton. We'd be, you know, march off the Paris of I get that. Obama, by staying in D.C., uh, who is the head of the Organizing for America, which is the third incarnation of Obama for America back when he, back in 2009, it's now, uh, Organizing for America, which is the umbrella group for a number of other socialist cl- groups, including Millennials for Revolution. By the way, the Obama group's got 250 chapters all across the United States, uh, 32,525 volunteers, all of which are involved, as you put it, part, partially as addition to being social justice warriors, environmental, uh, activists. But the Millennials for Revolution, part of their platform, and, and these are part and parcel to the, the marches you see and the demonstrations and all, everything you see, across the yeah. United States, these socialist organizations are preaching this climate change and they want to prosecute, criminally prosecute, string up and flog, if you will, uh, climate change deniers. I just wanted to bring that out because Obama, that whole socialist, the Sanders, uh, that whole group of people that you had mentioned is is really fighting for this. Debbie, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just... Because that was part of the research I did for a video I did yesterday, and and I found this out, and I thought, wow, how big is the platform you're talking about and how ingrained it is in the socialist movement today. Go ahead.
1: Yeah,
4: and it's huge. And, you know, just... Even though we have a new administration does not mean that these things are going away. They're not. They're not. I, I can tell you um that... It, Well, if I can find it quickly, there is – here it is. This is called the Business um, for 2030. Can you see that? Anyway, what it says, it's forging a path for business in the United Nations UN 2030 Development Agenda, an initiative of the United States Council for International Business. Who's a part of this? Coca-Cola, Walmart, um, Johnson & Johnson, IBM, DuPont. Um all these different or huge huge globalist companies that we you know we frequent all the time Procter and Gamble um, that's a lot of your shampoos and your soaps and Walt Disney company and all these different Mastercard all these different Google all these th- McDonald's all these different organizations who are pushing the United Nations 2030 agenda what is the 2030 agenda it is agenda 21 stepped up from the year 2050, or or however you say that. The goal originally was by the year 2050. Now it's stepped up to the year 2030. So these organizations are helping to push, to implement United Nations Agenda 21 under a new brand called the 2030 Agenda, which means by the year 2030, we will be a sustainable development society. So how does Walmart push a sustainable development society? They will they will have products they will pick and choose what products are sustainable that you can purchase. And then you get to be a good global citizen because you see be diligent on buying a green product.
3: That's amazing. Debbie, wow. I want to, I want to thank you for joining us. We've already reached the end of the hour. Uh, the information on the Oroville Dam, just fascinating. We hope to have you back on. Talk this about that as well as as, as other things. Um, you got your finger on the pulse of the Agenda 2030, Agenda 21. And, um, you know, we continue to see that agenda being rolled out in full force. So we look forward to having you back. Thanks for joining us tonight. Wow,
2: you said more in 50 minutes than people can <laughs> say in a lifetime. Thank you.
3: <laughs> Thanks, you guys. All right, we'll be right back after these short messages. Stay with us.
2: but a thing you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super G Chargeable is affordable, it's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces, it's durable, it's EMP proof, and it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging 6AA uh, batteries off the grid when other power sources are not available anywhere anytime in any weather day or night go to greenovative.com that's greenovative.com perhaps your business out there a small business would you like to extend the reach of your business I bet you would would you like to, to have the same opportunities as companies such as Omaha Steaks, Pro Flowers, and Casper Mattress, and some of the bigger companies out there, would you like to have that same power? Advertise on our program, go to Hagman and Hagman com or send an email to opportunities at Hagman and Hagman.com. If you go to HagmanReport.com and Hagman and Hagman there's a link where you can you can you can it's a big red box. You'll see it. You'll see it. Click on that link and and go ahead and read the benefits what we have created for you. I think it's I think it's a fabulous opportunity. and to this edition of the Hagman Hagman Report, so glad that you joined us thank you so much for your belief and trust in us uh, we've got a fantastic hour for you planned Joe's going to be handling most of this hour with our guest before I turn it over to Joe again I want to mention Portion's nice broadcast brought to you by healthmasters.com look folks, if all you do is just simply go to healthmasters.com and select the Ultimate Multiple. This is better than any multiple vitamin you'll get in any store anywhere in this country or on the planet. I guarantee you will feel feel different. Uh, this is the product. If you do nothing else, if you do nothing else, the Ultimate Multiple. That's the key. My, uh, my other next favorite, I gotta tell you, is this cortisol buster. It does a couple of things. It, uh, it is responsible for mental acuity If focus. I can see through the camera into your house. Still, stress you gotta, reducer. you gotta stand on your shirt. That's right. And, and it does, uh, reduce stress.
3: Testosterone booster? Um,
2: yes, yes. I slip some of this stuff in, um, yeah, my wife's coffee. No. <laughs> and, 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 wait, wait i also uh, i also take uh c and b and d but this b complex whoa boy along with purple sticks you can just be like the energizer rabbit folks healthmasters dot com that's where we go for all of our supplemental needs supplement needs healthmasters dot com and now until further notice use the coupon code doug five healthmasters dot com doug five healthmasters dot com doug five and if you have
3: questions don't be afraid to call them they are there um Monday through Friday, uh, you know, nine to five regular business hours. You got questions you need advice. They will be there to answer the phones. It's not outsourced. It's all in house. They make it in house. They do everything in house. That's Ted Borer from healthmasters.com. Our guest this hour is a, a new guest to the Hagman Report, uh, Mr. Richard Gibson. Um, Richard is a, um, deliverance minister, a street preacher, and so much more. I'm going to, Bring him on. Turn it over to him, and let him give you a little bit of an introduction uh, to himself. Mr. Gibson, welcome to the Hagman Report.
6: Well, thanks for having me, you guys. Uh, it's been a, it's, it's a pleasure to, to come on the show. I've been listening to you guys for for many years now, and it's a pleasure to be here to, to talk about uh, Jesus, to talk about uh, the things that's going on within the church and society. And I, I'm just hoping and praying that. Uh, from this interview, from this time, that it will be some edification and some stirring of hearts that will lead to closer to the Lord. Um, the, the one thing that I want to uh, just share about myself before I get into any uh, any content is, you know, um, before I became a Christian, I was radically just lost out in the world, and I got saved when I was 22 years old. And I was one that I didn't care anything about the gospel, didn't care anything about Christianity. Um, but then the Lord, when I was twenty two, had gave me a radical born again experience in which it led me away from all the partying, and all the drinking, all the clubbing and things like that. And eventually, um, I ended up going to seminary, bible school, um, became a pastor, interim pastor, associate pastor, um, helped plant a church in Delaware and uh, recently, now I'm in Connecticut. Me and my wife and we're looking to actually plant a church here in the greater New Haven area, um, and to to see the gospel spread up here in Connecticut. So that's a little bit about my background, and it's um, a lot I want to share. So let me know when you want me to to really just let loose.
3: Well, uh, you know, feel free to let loose. I love to hear um, testimonies about how people uh, came came to Jesus and how they've been how they were saved. Just to give you a little bit of background about myself, I was brought up in in the church. My mom and uh, parents would take me to church, you know, on Sundays. My grandparents would take me on on holidays, and I always believed in Jesus since I can remember. But I was like you; I partied a lot. I got into trouble. I mean, I was a bad kid. But at at the same time, I still I still had my beliefs. I just never applied them, or 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 um, you know. Started reading the Bible and started turning to Jesus for help, and it wasn't until in my later years that when I did that, I did get the con, did the conversion, um, and Amen. it's amazing to see the difference. I mean, I still go through struggles and I still mess up all the time, but uh, it, it's a it's a, a a foundation that I have now, and Amen. it's something that's changed my life. Regardless if I take you know one step forward, two steps back, it's still there and it's still something that I will always have. But I, what what I find interesting is somebody who has you know one of the snap conversions, if you want to call it that, or yeah. you know, a life changing experience that that changes their whole uh, their whole way of believing.
6: Absolutely, and that's and that's what pretty much happened to me. I'll just give you a little more details about my testimony so you get a better feel of what happened to me and how I really came to the Lord. Well, this is back in uh, in uh, May of two thousand and three, Memorial Day weekend. During that weekend, that's when my friends – I was actually in the military at the time. I was stitching down in uh, the D.C. area, and my friends came down. We went out partying and, you know, drinking, all the women and stuff like that. But then after that weekend was over, um, my friends went back to New Jersey. That's where i to be from. And uh the following, that was that Monday, that Tuesday came along, and I went to work, and I was boasting and bragging about all the women I had and all the, the party and stuff like that. But then Wednesday came, and this is exactly what happened. Wednesday Wednesday morning came, and I woke up, and I was under conviction. Now, at that time, I did not know what it was. The only way I can explain it was I knew my life was wrong. That's all I knew I knew my life was wrong And I went to work And usually I would go to work Blasting my music and everything But then that day It was like I was in a whole other Just, just world I didn't understand Why I felt so convicted Of my sin And I, I didn't even know those term, That terminology back then I just knew I was feeling guilty And I remember I went to work And I was telling my coworkers I said listen I said man My life is wrong And I gotta change my life and they looked back at me like, yo, what's wrong with you? You know, what's you're just going through something. You, you'll be all right. But then that whole entire day, that conviction remained. It didn't go anywhere. In fact, on the way home, um, I started bursting out into tears crying like a baby because the conviction was so heavy. So when I got home that, that night, I got on my knees, and that was the first time I prayed in years. And I, I said a simple prayer, like, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me for how I'm living. And then I went to sleep that night. The next morning I woke up, that conviction, it was gone, and I felt lighter. I felt like a different person. But then God didn't stop there because the following day I was at a car wash. I was vacuuming the inside of my car out. And while I was vacuuming the inside of my car out, there was a lady waiting to go through the actual line to get her car washed. So I'm on the side you know, vacuuming my car. She's waiting to go through, and she's staring at me. And I'm like, why is this lady staring at me? Like, you know, what 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 is this about? So she's staring at me and then she she waves her hand to have me come over and walk over to her car. Now in my mind, I'm like, man, I'm I'm trying to walk the straight and narrow. I'm not trying to get involved with any women. But then I walk over there and this is exactly what she said to me. She said to me, I didn't call you over here to flirt with you, but God told me to tell you that your prayers have been answered and you've been blessed. Now, mind wow. you at that time, I didn't know anything about really the gospel. I just got I was saved one day. But and this lady I never saw her again in my life. And um that was something that really catapulted my faith into really knowing the Lord even more intimately. Then not much longer after that, I went to Pakistan. I was deployed over there. Drew close to the Lord over there and everything, um, and really began to dive into scriptures. He gave me a, like a supernatural thirst for the word of God. And then after, afterwards, I, when I came back from Pakistan, I went, came back to the States, but then I got deployed to go to Iraq for, uh, for about seven months in 2004. And then when I, when I was over there, that was a whole nother just transition of going through different, different, um struggles and Trials and everything else, but it strengthened my faith. But then I said, you know what? When I get home, I'm going to, I'm going to get out the military. My contract was up in January of 05. So when I came home in 04, November, I got out the military in 05 and that's when I started going to Bible school and then eventually went to seminary and then became a pastor and everything else. And that was all she wrote. But one of the things that I want to talk about, and this is something that it's really at the center of my ministry. And it's not just, deliverance is an aspect of what I do. It's not everything that what I do. I don't want to be considered just, oh, you're just a person that cast out demons. That's not <laughs> right. everything that I do. The main thrust of my ministry is the gospel. And the one thing that I want to really get through tonight is, do we really understand what the gospel is? This is something, if you were to take a a survey or a poll in a church, if you were to go through every pew, you ask the the person, what do you think the gospel is, you would probably get a hundred different answers. And the most common one you would get is this. Well, you know, Jesus Christ died for my sins. And that is true. However, they're missing a crucial part. Of what that means. They're missing the context. What I tell people is this when you talk, when you start talking about the gospel, you don't start at John 316. Right. You start in Genesis 1 1. And the reason why I say that is this. You have to understand who you have offended with your sin. When you begin to understand, when you read Genesis 1 1, what does it say? It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, let's stop right there for a moment and think about that for a moment. A lot of people blow over this. Mm
1: -hmm.
6: But when you understand, you're dealing with a being who existed before time, who created the heavens and the earth, who was eternal, who is infinite in worth, infinite in value, infinite in dignity. And that's the very person we're at odds with. That's the very person in which our sin, our rebellion is aimed at. And a lot of people don't get that. So let me try to break this down so um, we can have a better understanding of what I'm trying to get at. Okay. For instance, uh me and my wife, we have a, a pet dog. His name is Charlie. Charlie's a little dachshund. He's a little rambunctious. He is at times stubborn, but I want to, I want to give you a scenario. Say for instance, my pet dog Charlie gets out of our backyard and he goes running into our neighbor's yard. My neighbor gets upset because Charlie's messing around the yard and he pulls out his nine millimeter and takes Charlie to dog heaven. Now what happens? I call the cops. You know, the cops come lock this guy up. Here in Connecticut, the maximum sentence for someone that for commits animal cruelty is one year in prison. And a maximum of a thousand dollar fine. Now, that's for a crime against an animal. That would be the maximum punishment. But it's a different thing when you start talking about what if that same neighbor, God forbid it's ever happened, but what if that same neighbor murdered my spouse? Now, what is the crime going to be? Or what is the punishment going to be? Potentially life in prison or the death penalty. But now, that's a a human-to-human trespass or sin or crime. But what happens when you offend a holy, righteous, infinite, worthy God? What is the just punishment? For someone who does that, and you see, this is when it begins to make sense. The fact of the matter is, when we have we have when we have fined God with our sin, we are talking about a, a being that is superior over every dimension, over every creature. Whether it's a demon, an angel, a human being, an animal, whatever, God is. There is nobody like God. It's no one. Even close to him But this is the person who we, we've offended So therefore the punishment must be just And that just punishment is what? Separation from God But it's the separation is embodied in body and what? In our internal corruption When Adam sinned The Bible says his eyes were open. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means at that moment when his eyes were open that's when this this sinful nature was birthed inside of him this rebellion was birthed the same way when we get born again when the spirit of god comes within we're changed our eyes are open to truth but his eyes was open now to evil and now we have this internal corruption going on that by default now we're in rebellion against god and that is a just punishment But not only that But the Bible says that God subjected the creation to Futility So not only has man fallen But the entire creation has fallen Because of one Man's actions against An infinite superior being Namely God So that's so sin that's nature
3: what? That sin nature yeah, that, that was birthed During the first sin is, is Would you call that human nature?
6: No, I would not call it human nature because we didn't come into the world like that. The Bible says when God created Adam, he made him very good. But when he sinned, that's when this sinful nature was birthed. That's when this corruption was birthed. And ever since that time, we've been following that lead. But furthermore, to go back to this, when you begin to think about the severe punishment It didn't stop with Adam Because everyone that descended from Adam now Has the same corrupted nature Why is that? Because again You got to go back to the worth of God The punishment must be just So every human being that's descended from Adam Now is corrupted With this very rebellious nature And we live in a world With rebellious corrupt people now, the thing about it is this, that corruption, that rebellion confirms us in what our condemnation. And that's why the Bible talks about in John 3:36, that the wrath of God is already upon us. In, Re- in Romans chapter one verse 18, it talks about how the wrath of God is being revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness um, here man- uh, upon mankind. And it's because of our rebellion against God. Now, when you lay that out, when we begin to understand something, that, okay, I've offended a holy God. I'm not just a sinner. No, it's not just that you're a sinner. It's a fact that yet you are a rebeller against the most superior being in and outside of eternity. When you understand that, and then when you understand There is no other way I can get right with God except through Jesus. And that's when you get into John 3.16. When we start talking about what Jesus did and who he is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, you begin to ask the question, why did he give his only son? What was the purpose for him giving his only son? And the reality is this. There was nobody else that can make the payment. Because Jesus Christ, him being God in the flesh, him putting on humanity, he is equal to God, he is equal to him in nature, he is equal to him in dignity, value and worth. So he could he could take the punishment. The Bible says that he is worthy, being worthy as the lamb to make the payment by his blood in Revelation 5:12. So Jesus was the one that can take the punishment on our behalf because we couldn't do it. This is why there's no way in the world we can earn our salvation because the debt is too big. Right. And, and, the, and the amazing thing is this: you can stop me, I know I can get going. You can stop me whenever you please. Well, no, um,
3: you said a lot there and you're right. Uh, Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He was uh, the atonement so that all men could be saved and um uh, you know in the Old Testament, we read a lot about the animal sacrifices and um a lot of people today wonder you know how how that worked and and you see in the bible in uh in Israel some people want to bring that back, but the only atonement for sin was um through Jesus, and there is no other sacrifice that can be made um and and what Jesus did was uh something that as i said and and as the bible says what was before the foundation of the world when yeah, god yeah. created the heaven and earth jesus was there and this was all part of of god's plan and as you were getting into and starting to allude to the importance of what what this means for us because as we are fallen we were born into sin and we are sinful we are rebellious by nature how mm-hmm. else would we be able to gain favor um and not all be damned in eternity
6: Right, exactly And that's the thing And that's when you you, you begin to understand The beauty of John 3.16 Because even though that We're rebellers and sinners And we rebelled against God God had to be just in His punishment handed it out But He still was merciful in the midst of that And then that's when you insert Jesus As being a manifestation of the love of God Now, get this As I said a second ago There's no way in the world that one can earn their salvation because the debt is too much the debt is infinite and the only person that can pay that debt is an infinite God namely Jesus now when we begin to talk about this now on that level on our level so if I know that I've sinned against God and I know the only way to be right with God is through surrendering my life to Jesus because he bore my my punishment what should I do And I tell people, the the primary motivation for coming to Jesus is one motivation. You need mercy. You need mercy. A lot of people, they'll come to Jesus because, well, you know, I agree that he's the son of God. And I tell people, so what? The demons believe he's the son of God. We just can't come into agreement with a doctrinal statement. Sure, that's fine. But that doesn't mean anything if you don't surrender your life over. Some people come to know, they, they, they claim to come to know Jesus because, you know, they want to try out the church thing. They want to say, okay, nothing else is broken for me. Let me try out this church thing. They don't have a clue of what's going on when it comes to what the real deal is with their salvation, but they'll join a church. Not, not, not even understanding what the gospel is. This is why we have to understand who we have offended and then understand how, how we came to Christ by understanding the offense is how we remain in Christ by continually warring and fighting against our sin.
3: You're right. And a lot of people miss uh, what, the what one important part you just talked about is, uh, you know, people playing church, people, um, agreeing with the doctrines of Christianity and, and leaving it there. Uh, so many people are blinded by this reality by this world not even if they believe in God and in Jesus the the uh, thoughts or the reality of an afterlife escapes many and the consequences right. of that afterlife escape many also and it's right. not something I mean, it's out of sight out of mind and uh, people don't understand that you know we're here temporarily that this earth was created it will be um, you know heaven will uh eternity's coming and those the devil and his minions will will be in the lake of fire forever and god will establish heaven and and you know those of uh, us that are are the lords will reign with him forever this existence right now is temporal it's it's temporary and people sadly the majority of people even the majority of Christians I'd say look at this existence as there's all there is they don't they don't take that um uh, that that cognitive step into um you know worrying or wondering about what happens after they die or the consequences of their actions in the afterlife um even though they're in the church it's
6: it's very alarming it is it really is and a lot of it is due unfortunately is due to the fact that in the churches and I'm I'm not going to make a blanket statement but in the churches there is a lot of bad Theology, Terrible um, That many people are caught up in And I just want to switch gears now Because the way I understand the gospel I break it down in three aspects The first aspect is what I pretty much touched on Is the proclamation of the gospel And that is sharing what the gospel is Through preaching The second aspect in Which I think is as important Is the power demonstrated through the gospel Now a lot of people may ask the question What are you talking about What do you mean by that And that's primarily when it comes to casting out demons, healing the sick, those type of sign gifts, as the Bible states. The one thing that people this is this is amazing to me, and this is something that I wrestled with for 10 years of my born-again life because I was trained in Reformed theology. So in other words, when it came to casting out demons and all that stuff, that was a no-no. That was like you don't go there. If you go there, you're you're labeled a heretic. Just about. But then the reality is this. When Jesus first appointed his disciples, he told them to do two things. In Mark chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, he said this. He he appointed them to preach the gospel and to cast out demons. That was the first two things that he instructed his disciples to do. For some reason in our day, in the majority of the evangelical church, we have just gotten away from that. We have, we'll preach the, we'll preach, I can't, a gospel in most, most, most contexts. But sometimes we do get it, get the gospel right. But when it comes to the power demonstrated in, that part is thrown out. And a lot of it is out of fear. Now, The one thing that I I really want to get at, because whenever I start talking about demons, usually people will go to, um, I call it Hollywood theology. (laughs) In other words, they think that every demonic manifestation looks like the exorcist, or looks like the Amityville horror story, something like that, a horror movie, whatever. But that's Hollywood theology, and unfortunately... Many pastors, church leaders have Hollywood theology when it comes to dealing with demons. But when you.
3: Mr. Gibson, we're, we're, we're coming up against the break. And this is a, a good point to, to stop because on the other side, definitely something, uh, we need to get into, uh, because, you know, you talk about the gospel and, and a gospel that's being preached in the churches so often today, more often than not in churches a form of the gospel is being preached, but it's not the correct one, nor does it cover uh everything that the Bible states. And uh, even more important than that is the people who attend church. It seems like nobody reads their Bibles. Everybody is looking to another person to interpret or explain what is in the gospel. And not only the story of the resurrection in the gospels and the story of Jesus and, and our redemption through him, but the example that he set that is in the Gospels is so important. Folks, we're talking with Richard Gibson. We're going to be right back after this. Stay with us.
7: Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles and matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back.
6: shall be great tribulation,
7: such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be.
2: The products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Reporter family. Masterpreps.com. I mean,
5: wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next?
1: New year from all of us at Training House
5: in the We pray you have a healthy, safe, and prosperous
1: 2017.
5: And we would like to thank all of you for welcoming us to the Hagman and Higman family. You're all a very wonderful and special group of people. Because we believe it is so important for you to work and acquire good health this year, we're going to do something
6: that we've never done before as a thank you to you for your support. We're going to make something available that we believe everyone needs.
4: During the month of January, anyone who invests in their health by purchasing either our American Heritage Remedies Kit, our Survivalist Natural Remedies Kit, or $200 in individual remedies of your choice, we're going to give to you our crisis remedy just in case for free. Your health must be a part of your preparation plan. We're here to help you with that journey. May God bless y'all, and may
1: God bless America. Happy Happy New Year. Year!
3: Guest is Richard Gibson. His website is the deception of dot com. The deception of dot com for those watching on YouTube, it's right up there on this screen. That is also the title of his book. We're talking um about the importance of the gospel. Um we're talking about um before the break we were talking about what it says in the gospel what Jesus commanded his disciples to do, which was to pray and to cast out uh demons. And how that is not, is how it's basically, um, shied away from in the church and and looked upon as something that is, uh, unbiblical, if you will. Um, and, and Mr. Gibson was, was about to get into, um, what he learned about this. Mr. Gibson, go ahead.
6: Sure. So, as I was saying before the break, you know, a lot of Christians Have a Hollywood theology when it comes to demons and what they are and how they operate because they, they automatically go to, you know, the exorcist movie, the Amityville horror stories, all the different horror movies out there that depict demons and everything. But that's the farthest thing from the truth. The reality is this, when you look at the scriptures, there are many types of demons that are in the world. And in fact, some of them may be in some of you guys. Um, the reality is this. When you look at the scriptures, I'll give you a couple of examples. Matthew 12, 22. Um, Matthew 12, 22 shows an example of Jesus dealing with a man that was blind and mute. The man who was blind and mute had a handicap, but the issue was the demon was causing his blind and muteness. When Jesus cast that demon out, he could see and he could speak. Now that man wasn't insane. He wasn't crazy. He wasn't walking around doing all types of crazy things. But he had a demonic affliction that was affecting his sight and his sound. So that goes to show us that every demonic affliction does not mean insanity. Yes, the gathering's demoniac in what Luke was it? uh, Luke six or yeah, Luke six. Now Luke eight. Now that was. Uh, a illustration of someone that was insane. I would pro- I would say he probably had spirits of insanity. But nonetheless, you have other examples of Luke 13 and 11, when a woman who had a back problem, the Bible says she had a spirit of infirmity that was causing the back problem. She wasn't crazy. She was insane, but this spirit was causing her a physical affliction. You had the same thing in Acts uh, 16 and 16 with Paul, with him. Um, he was preaching in Philippi, and the slave girl who had a, a spirit of divination, she was even announcing that Paul and Silas were the ones that were preaching the way of the Lord. But Paul was discerning and said, man, that's a, that's a demon inside of her that, 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 that's continually saying this, and he cast the spirit out of her. And she was not an insane person. She was normal. And this is something that we got to understand. There are many different types of deceptions but the deception I want to get to right now that's, uh, really not touched on in the church is that the demonic influence within doctrinal teaching. Now, I want to give one example from the Old Testament and then go to the New Testament. Do you have something you have to say, Joe?
3: No, no. I, I, my, uh, we get a lot of questions about this, about, uh, you know, is it possible for believers, um, and those who are saved to have demons? I'm, I'm, I'm
6: going to get to that Okay. So here it is In is um, I'll give you an example I'm not going to read the whole story I'm just going to paraphrase But if you guys have Bibles You can turn to 1 Kings 22 Now in 1 Kings 22 is a story Of two kings One of them was Named King Jehoshaphat He was the king of Judah Of the southern kingdom At that time the kingdom was split but then there was another king in the story by the name of King Ahab. King Ahab was a wicked king. He was the king of Israel. Now Jehoshaphat was a godly king. Now the scenario goes like this. Israel and Judah had three years of peace. However, there was a city in Israel that was conquered by the king of Syria. So what, what was going on was this. Ahab, wanted to join alliances with Jehoshaphat to go against this king of Syria now Jehoshaphat being a godly king he said listen let's inquire of the Lord and see if this is what we should do so what King Ahab did he said listen okay I'm going to summon my prophets so they can prophesy what we should do so what he did he, he summoned his prophets the prophets began to prophesy to Ahab to say yeah You can go up to the city and you'll win it. You'll defeat the king of the king of Syria. Now Jehoshaphat was discerning, saying, "Listen, are these all the prophets that you have?" And Ahab said, "No. Well, there's one I have not called. His name is Micaiah, but he always speaks the hard truth to me." Now he summoned Micaiah. When Micaiah came. He spoke the hard truth to Ahab. He said, listen, I'm paraphrasing. If you go up to the city, you're going to die. You're going to perish. You're going to be defeated. But then he gave the reason why he said that. And the reason was this. He said that he saw a vision. And the vision was he saw the Lord sitting on his throne. And the Lord proposed the question to what the Bible describes, the host of heaven. I believe these these were fallen angels In my estimation But I'm going to let the story go on He proposed a question to the host of heaven And said this Who was going to entice Ahab To fall in battle And a spirit stood up and said this This is what the Bible says A spirit stood up and said I will become a lying spirit In the mouth Of the prophets Get that He this is a spirit, he stood up and said, I will become a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets. So when those prophets were prophesying to Ahab, they were prophesying lies being supernaturally empowered by demons.
3: And at the, the same time, the is, I didn't mean to interrupt, but at the same time, he got the truth as well. Right, he did. Okay.
6: He got the truth, but he didn't want to obey the truth. Mm-hmm. He obeyed what was under the the mouths of the lying prophets. Now get this, those lying prophets, again, they weren't crazy. They were normal. They did not know they was under the influence of evil spirits. They had no clue. And again, this is a, this is a picture for us to understand that demonic infiltration, demonic influence is very subtle. And the only way we're going to start picking up on these things is by, as John would say, testing the spirits. But let me go forward now and tie this into the New Testament. It's amazing that the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 4.1 says almost the same exact thing. In 1 Timothy 4.1, this is what it says. Now, be very, very clear. It says this, Now the Spirit, that is God, the Holy Spirit, expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by what? By by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits Mm -hmm. and teachings of demons. Think about that for a moment now. Paul is saying, listen, there's there's two things in this. that This is probably going to get a lot of people upset, but I'm not here to be popular, so I'm just going to speak the truth. He says two things that there are going to be many people who are going to depart from the faith. Now, does that mean a Christian can lose their salvation? I'm going to get to that in a moment. But the reason why he's saying this is because they're being deceived by doctrines of demons. In other words, there are pastors in churches who are speaking lies, and they don't know it. In fact, when you go to Second Peter chapter 2 and 3, uh, uh chapter 2, He starts talking about, he starts talking about how there will be false teachers in the church as it was as of old with the false prophets. The one thing you begin to understand when it comes to heresy, heresy is simply, and this is another word that we don't understand, heresy simply means a strong opinion. That's all it means. But in the, in the context, a strong opinion that goes against scripture is error. So, The one thing that I want to get at with this, just to show the different examples of how there's so many different demonic infiltrations and influences in the church, and these are just some of them. When it comes to doctrinal teaching, and when we look at the passage in 1 Timothy 4.1, when it says clearly there are going to be many that's going to depart from the faith, what does that mean other than there's going to be many that's going to depart from the faith. A lot, and, and I used to be one like this. I used to hold to a once saved, always saved theology. Because that's what I was taught in Bible school and seminary. But then once I begin to study the scriptures and begin to look at things as, as a whole, I begin to understand that something's not right because there are explicit statements in scripture that show you can. I'm not going to say Lose your salvation Because that's not Biblical terminology I'm going to use Bible phrases Paul says You can depart From the faith In fact The Hebrews writer says You can fall away From the faith In fact Paul even gives Examples In 2 Timothy That Hymenaeus And Philetus Shipwrecked their faith So And then You go even further Jesus says If you don't forgive Your brother I'm not going to Forgive you Mm-hmm. But then you have all these different examples going on in the church, or in in the scriptures, but then you still hear people saying, well, no, you won't lose your salvation, this, that, and the third. I mean, you can't abandon your faith or whatever. But the Bible says the opposite. And what's so amazing is this. I'm going to give you another example of what I mean, of how all this correlates together from the old to the new. When you read the book of Jeremiah, when Jeremiah was prophesying to the people of Judah, He was prophesying a message of truth, saying, listen, you need to repent. If you don't repent, you're going to be destroyed. Now, there were false prophets in that day. What were they saying? I'm going to tell you what they were saying. They were saying things like this. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. They were saying, since the temple of the Lord is here in Jerusalem, God will not bring his judgment. We're safe here. We don't have nothing to worry about. We, we, I mean, we're protected because the spirit of God is here in the temple, so He can't destroy us. They would reason like that, whereas Jeremiah said, "No, if you don't repent, you're going to be destroyed." And they
3: made Jeremiah out to be a madman, threw him in prison. Uh, you know, treated right. him like he was insane. He was mocked and and scoffed. Nobody listened to him. He was he was basically, uh, you know, they turned him into you know the the court jester. And then the the, right. the leaders had their ears tickled by all these other people who told them what they wanted to hear, that they were going to be safe, they were going to prosper, no harm could come to them, just as you said. But the one person who was telling the godly truth, Jeremiah, was cast out as an outcast, as a, um, a heretic, if you will. And right. you know he was abused constantly.
6: Right. And and see, and the same thing is going on, because if you proclaim this message in the church, you'll get so many people angry. Mm-hmm. Get they'll get so mad at you. But it's the truth. Because what happened in Jeremiah's day? The Babylonian army came in with Nebuchadnezzar and destroyed them and the temple. And what's so funny is today is this Noah will say, Well, we're the temple, we're the temple of God. So God, I'm not gonna be judging that way. We sound just like the false prophets of old because we don't want to accept the truth. Now, that's that's just one thing. The underlying issue. Of that particular issue, and I'm gonna get you right now. I know we are running out of time. I'm trying to cram everything in an hour.
3: We got about 15 Plus, minutes left, so you're you're okay for for now.
6: All right, cool. So the other issue I want to get to is: Yeah, can a Christian have a demon? This is something I have not even debate. I mean, I got to the point now. It's like you know, people. Let me just say this: People are afraid. of the reality of such matters Mm
1: -hmm.
6: so in other words when they're so fearful of believing something that can actually be inside of them without them knowing they automatically reject the reality let me just break this down for you The, the, the most common response of somebody saying well a Christian can't have a demon is because the Holy Spirit and the unclean spirit can't live in the same place. And then I begin to say, well, how is that true? If you look at Job 1, wasn't Satan in the B'nai Elohim, the fallen angels, in the courtroom of God? Mm-hmm. Wasn't they even in heaven? Mm-hmm. Wasn't they even in the presence of God? So l- l- let me get this straight. So a Christian can't be demonized But because we have the Holy Spirit But then on the same token Satan can appear In the presence of God In heaven With his whole posse The B'nai Elohim The fallen angels Now I I, I propose the question What's a more corrupt environment Our fallen nature Or the pristine place of heaven In the presence of God A no brainer You understand that yes we have a corrupted nature we still live in we still live in this nature that is entirely corrupt full of corruption full of sin full of rebellion of course a demon can lock in and as I said that's why we have to understand there are different demons let me try to break it down to you like this just like when we go to the doctor every time we go to the doctor it's not because you know I have cancer You go to the doctor for different ailments. It could be the fact that you have a common cold, a headache, a broken bone, whatever. It's the same thing when it comes to dealing with demons. There are different demons for different afflictions. I'll give you a couple of examples. One of my first deliverance cases was with a Christian. In fact, let me go, let me go a step further. Let me make this very clear. Through my experience of deliverance ministry, it makes no sense to cast demons out of an unbeliever. You know why? Because
3: they come back.
6: (laughs) They'll come right back. There's no point. Right. You'll waste your time. And if you if you get into the ministry, you'll begin to understand, like, man, I'm wasting a lot of time with it. It's a real struggle because the demons have every right to stay. There's no point for them to leave. Go a step further. When you start talking about the demonic afflictions. One of my first experiences in deliverance ministry was with a girl who was a believer. Her parents were missionaries. She was. Her and her husband were evangelical. Was going to a church. Very young. Very successful. Loved the Lord. All that. However, she had an affliction in which, well, she had a, a couple of demons. Really. The first one we came across was a spirit of despair. Now that may not sound familiar to any of us. I didn't even know about it. This is my first deliverance experience. But the reason how we know we had a spirit of despair is because her husband had told me that this is years ago while they were dating that this demon manifested in her and named itself despair. Now some people say, well, how do demons get their names? Well, sometimes they give them. But then when you look at the biblical example, what did Jesus do when he cast the spirit out? He would call the deaf and dumb spirit, come out the person. Whatever the affliction is, that's what their their name is. But they have other, I guess, real names, but usually you're just dealing with the affliction, like a spirit of fear, a spirit of jealousy, etc. But anyway, back to the story. This one particular girl, we knew she had a spirit of despair because it actually manifested in her. And it began to talk through her.
1: Mm -hmm.
6: and she was a believer and we casted the thing out and as I was casting it out what happened with her is her face turned beet red and she felt the pressure in her body as this thing was coming out now every time a demon comes out they come out in many different ways some people scream, some people fall on the floor some people they cough out violently some people yawn they come out in many different ways in this case she coughed out violently but that was only the first one she had a spirit of epilepsy. When I was dealing with her, we first cast we out we, we another spirit, a spirit of infirmity, but when I called for the spirit of epilepsy to come out of her, she started shaking like having a seizure. And when it came out of her, the same thing happened. Turned beet red, she's shaking, and she caught this thing up violently. And the same thing as you read about I think in Matthew 18, she was drained totally of strength. And now this shocked me. Because I didn't believe in this stuff until I'm thrust into the middle of it. And then I'm like, wow, now I'm a believer. So that kind of started me on my journey. And one thing I've experienced thus far is when you begin to speak about these things, let me tell you something. You will get major pushback from the evangelical. most evangelical churches. They don't want to touch it. Instead of casting demons out of people, they'll cast a person out of the church that's actually yep. doing the casting out of demons. Yep. Because they're afraid of it. And another Even point though of we have authority
3: over it, which is... It, it, if you think about it that way, that we do have, in our belief in Jesus, we have the authority to cast out these demons. It doesn't right. have to be a preacher. It doesn't have to right. be a Bible expert. It doesn't have to be, you know... Any person who believes... Has this ability? We just have to learn exactly. how to utilize it.
6: Exactly, and that's the thing. And the thing that prevents a lot of people from getting into this aspect of the gospel is fear. They're just yeah. paralyzed. They're just totally paralyzed. You start talking about this, people get afraid. They get afraid, and they get angry. I know because I've talked with them. In fact, the book I wrote, "The Deception of Eloquence," that's the reason why I wrote the book. It all it all came about from. Uh, an experience I had with a pastor When I moved up here to Connecticut In which I really enjoyed the church And everything and, I, and me and my wife wanted to join But he was not trying to hear Anything when I was saying about The deliverance aspect of the gospel He was totally like Nah you know You can come to my church But you can't join <laughs> And it's like man Am I doing something wrong And my thing is this My ministry is not all about Casting out demons However, you we the bottom line is this: we have to begin to develop a supernatural worldview of the world. That's what the Bible is rooted in. And if we don't have a supernatural worldview, we're almost just as like a naturalist. We all we do is sprinkle some religious doctrine on, on top of things to make it look pretty. Yeah, look at, well, look at yeah.
3: Ephesians says it: our battle is, is spiritual. Uh, again, right. spiritual wickedness in high places. It's not a physical battle, even though we are in the world, we're not of the world. It is a spiritual battle by nature, and uh, to think that you could fight it just in the natural, uh, it's ridiculous. We need um, to understand the spiritual realm and the spiritual battle that we are fighting. How are we supposed to fight our enemy if we can't identify him or or fight in the same arena?
6: Right, exactly, and 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 this is one reason again why I wrote the book and because of this because it's, it's two things with me it's a theological issue it's just bad theology that leads people astray but on another side of things is the practical side when you have people in your church who are being tormented people dealing with depression suicidal thoughts bondage to lust what do you think that is yes I'm in total agreement yes our flesh has to be crucified but from my experience, when you are dabbling in sin, unrepentant sin, and you cannot overcome it, it there is a very good potential possibility you are enslaved to whatever affliction it is. One of the most common afflictions I have come across, Joe, is this, is lust. Yep. So many men are in bondage to lust, spirits of lust, spirits of perversion, etc., they can't keep their eyes off another woman, even if the wife was in front of them. And yeah. they know it's wrong.
3: Absolutely. And what's interesting and what's scary, uh, when I started reading the Bible again was to read the, the, uh, what Jesus said about, you know, it was said of old that if you, um, um, you know, committed adultery, uh, but now if you look at a woman, um, uh, right. with lust in your, in your heart, you have committed adultery anyway. Uh, and, right. and that's a very powerful statement.
6: It's very powerful. And and see, and this is the thing why, like Jesus said, the very, the very first instructions was to preach the gospel and cast out demons. Because they both are very, very important and they're almost intertwined to a degree. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is this, when we come saved, when we become believers, our main priority is this. It's not the fact that I want to achieve this or I want to accomplish this. No, that's not it at all. Your main responsibility is to fight against your sin. That's it, to honor God. You can see it like this. Fighting against sin in your life in all its different forms is a way of pursuing holiness. Yep. And not only does that draw you closer to Jesus, it's a protection against demonic influence in your life. And it builds, I mean, it gives you strength, spiritual strength against
3: uh, a temptation. Every sin that you're able to overcome, every instance that you're able to overcome a sin, it builds that strength.
6: Exactly. And you see, when you look at the world, this is the scary part about it. I know we run out of time. But when you look at the world, the world is void of any power to resist the sin. You see, the fact of the matter is when we become believers in Christ, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to resist sin. Now, whether we obey Him or not, that's another issue. But the world, those who are outside of Christ, do not even have the resources to resist. Mm -hmm. So without a question, there are demonic influences all around, whether you look at the political realm, the cultural realm, anything that's leading people away from the truth in Christ you best believe there is a demonic entity behind it. Absolutely. You can quote me, can quote me
3: on that. Absolutely. Uh, Richard Gibson it was our guest for this hour. Richard, we are out of time. The hour went so fast, and we, we just barely scratched the surface. There's so much yep. more, uh, we could get into, and hopefully in the near future, we will do the, just that. Again, the website is thedeceptionofeloquence.com. It's also the title of his book, um, I Reach have that book, him. by the way, in my office. Rashad, thank you, man. What a hey, great! Man, thank you. What a what a great! Wow. Look player. forward to having you back on in the in the future.
6: Thank you, guys. I appreciate it.
3: It's great having you. You have a good evening. All right, you too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, when we come back, Stan Dale will be our guest. He'll be with us until the end of the show as he is each and every Tuesday. Pull up his website, standeo.com. Go to the show images page and follow along with what Stan has put together for the week to talk about on air. We'll be right back after the break. Stay with us.
5: Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not cost an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855 888 6288 or visit profitsincoconuts.com. Profitsincoconuts.com
2: Of the Hagman and Hagman report. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being part of our program. Thanks for being part of our family. You know, Stan Dale had a birthday last Friday. He did. He did. Happy birthday. Forty-eight. He turned. uh, Yes, he did. Forty-eight. That's that's our story. We're sticking to it. Um, (laughs) He's reverse aging. Yes, right. Well, he he, look. He's the 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 time. You know, the the time capsule stuff going on, and uh, I, I. if anyone could do it, he could do it. And that's for sure. Yeah, it's Stan Dale and his lovely wife lovely wife Holly Dale, uh good friends of the program. Before we get to Stan, folks, Trading Post in the Woods dot com. Have you gone there yet? Uh, I I their their Trading Post in the Woods, their supplies just like grandma's great grandma's store, the Trading Post in the Woods. Get the feel? Trading Post in the Woods dot com. Folks, Tradingpostinthewoods.com. They teach, they teach you. They equip you. They teach you how to not not to be a victim. They equip you with the items necessary for survival. You know, they they've learned that most disaster victims don't even have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. But they created something. You got to check this out. They've created. Simple Survival's American Heritage Remedies Kit and other natural alternatives to provide help for just a a host of maladies when there is no doctor, no pharmacy for miles around. Folks, go to TradingPostInTheWoods.com. Just go there. Spend some time there. Research them. Give them a call. Reach out to them. Their products are second to none. They created the American Heritage Remedies Kit and special, it's special for our program. It's a brand new kit. They're discounting just for us. It includes, uh, their latest book, Major Disasters, Lessons Learned. They've got, uh, they've got quite a few deals there. Go to woodscom That's tradingpostinthewoods.com it, My wife, my, everyone in the studio uses their products
3: for various mm-hmm. things. I like the, uh, the the stress relief and anxiety stuff. Oh. Uh, as goodness. well as the, uh, the stomach. The, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, those are just the two I've used. I there's stuff for headaches, there's stuff for nausea, there's stuff for mm-hmm. all kinds of uh, good stuff there, but the, uh, the stress and anxiety.
2: This is the best of the best. This is a yeah. catalog of all things. Absolutely. All right. Stan Dale. Stan, are you with us there, my man?
3: Time I checked? Yes. Happy belated birthday, Stan.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I feel fine.
3: <laughs> hey, have, you,
2: have you gotten your AARP cards in the mail? No?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. And my little walker and stuff over in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. i shrieking in horror can right here. <laughs> uh,
2: I can't, yes, I can't well. ever, you know. I, I there's no way, man. You, you, you're going to be you, you're you know you're, you're gonna be out there combing the hills of the mountain of Kilimanjaro, you know, twenty years from now.
3: But anyway.
0: Well, anyway, thank goodness for digital archaeology. I can sit in my easy chair and thumb through the world. You see.
3: It yeah. Yeah. doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. Isn't it, I'll tell you isn't...
0: What the. The discoveries of, like, Garden of Eden and Atlantis are now starting to gain traction. Um, On my YouTube channel, I think I've got, like, I don't know, sixteen or 17,000 views of it since I put it up last week, of you know, about Atlantis and where it is. Um, And we're getting a lot of, you know, good comments. Some people from the flat Earth kind of told me that I was crazy, but, (laughs) hey, I'm not sure that I agree with that.
1: I don't know. So they're flatter because...
2: Uh, uh, you know, I can tell you, or the, they're not flat. In my house, my driveway's got a slant to it. Which, which
3: side's heavier? <laughs> Somebody said that. But, yeah, no, the Ow. flatter stuff's... Uh, in any time stand, I mean, you could do a perfect video, perfect information, all facts, all presented properly, perfect English, and you're going to get half the comments are just going to tell you you're a dumb racist anyway, so... Oh
0: yeah, look I've I've deleted some of the ones that were, you know, racist against uh, Israel or saying that, you know, I was, you know, some kind of a four-letter word or whatever, but uh, that kind of stuff just doesn't need to go up on anybody's side.
3: Well, Stan, uh, Stan yeah. is a four-letter word. So is that. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. See? Ah, uh, uh, dear. All right, let's rock and roll.
2: Yeah. Well, okay.
5: Yeah. Oh, can I you, can you weigh
2: in? Well, enough. can you weigh in on the damn situation? The dam dam tour?
0: Well, no, you sorry. know, about 20% of our dams in the country are, um, are needing real serious repair, you know, infrastructure repair, bridges. I don't know how many of those, but I think Holly covered it in the Prophetic Perils book, but, and some of it in uh, Dare to Prepare and in Prudent Places. Um, You know, uh, we're getting more and more people that are returning to our news site that she's been doing again since September, and we get feedback from them. We get uh, uh, really interesting news and and drawings and cartoons and lead stories and stuff. Um, So it's kind of a community interaction we're getting now. Uh, the, The common feeling we get is that World War III is right at our doorstep, and people are starting to... That didn't know any better or haven't made time or money available are starting to prepare we've seen such a, a huge sudden jump in people wanting dare to prepare books I mean like you know ordering by 12 cases at a time that um, we know that there's the general feeling out there for whatever reason is that Russia is going to attack us well okay Uh, Well, look at at, 17 and 18, the pictures on on the show images page today. Um, Russia deploys missile in violation of arms control treaty. It gets within a couple hundred meters of one of our ships, a cruise missile that comes sailing by. And the new Cold War Russian spy ship spotted patrolling waters off the U.S. coast. What's that about, you see? I mean, they're getting ready. And if I were a foreign power like Putin, and you know, not knowing everything he knows about his his own situation over there and in Syria, but if I wanted to attack the United States, and I were looking for the best weak moment to do it, I would look at the country when it's in either civil war, or in a change of national administration, the presidency, and whatever, when the whole government and the country are kind of in. Change in chaos, you know, trying to see who's doing what job, wearing the new jobs, that kind of stuff. It doesn't even have to be like the left wing going absolutely crazy and attacking the administration and blocking it in so many ways. I would look for a weak point uh, after an election where there's a major division in the, in the people, you know, of the, of the electorate. And that's now. Now, um, If, if I were Russia and I wanted to neuter the United States so that I could continue expanding my foothold in Syria and, and perhaps go for Israel, then I would attack now. We, we are so, you know, disorganized. We, we can't put, you know, billions of dollars into our military overnight. It's going to take time to build, you know, new equipment, get new soldiers and train them, you know, replenish ammunition, that kind of stuff. And there are so many other factors going on to, you know, to influence uh, his decision. I would say that that he's definitely thinking about, I'm going to push the button, because he could neuter us with an EMP attack, you know, uh, and we'd be done. And at that point, then he could put ground troops in if they wanted. But he's trying, I'm sure, to look at ways to neuter the United States as a world police force so that, that this is Putin so that he can get into the Middle East and do what he wants to. He can't, he can't attack Israel, uh, in any form, uh, without the United States coming in to defend, even though we're, you know, undermanned and, uh, and under budgeted whatever at the moment. Uh, he still doesn't want the threat of nukes from the United States hitting some of his sites. Uh, so yeah, I, I see us, you know, I understand why people are getting panicky and wanting to, to prepare now. Um because it's at our doorstep. I I get
2: that feeling, you know. Uh, Yeah. uh, Between Russia and China, you're you're saying Russia, perhaps? Russia,
0: uh, and of course Russia and China have had for a number of years now the Sino-Soviet pact against the United States. And um, they will cooperate with each other. Um, a number of uh, prophets have said that Russians would invade the uh, United States, I think, uh, through the Gulf of Mexico and possibly on the north co- uh, northeast coast, coming across the pole, while China would hit us on the, the western side of the United States, making submarine approaches and taking advantage of their port at San Diego, where they they own a, a port that they could be shipping stuff in right now in sea containers, that we'd never know what was there till they opened the door and sub- Prize, you know. Uh, so yeah, both both major companies, uh, countries are uh, potentially uh, in this war against the United States. The Hopi said they're coming. Uh, Iran would love to come over. Korea would love to come over with their missiles and troops and, and you know spoil the United States. But but Holly and I were talking this morning about this. These people want to attack us, and they don't yet realize how much we do for the world you know in overseas aid and food and uh, protection you know and science uh, and technology we provide to the world they're going to do just like they say in the revelation of john about the babylon when it falls they're going to pour ash on there the merchants are and the people that take handouts from the united states and get protection from the united states they're all going to suddenly realize he wasn't so bad with us in charge of that too late
2: though too late exactly if this does happen, I mean, it would have to, to me, given the state of the United States government, it could happen any time, right? I mean, now's
0: the time. Yeah, any tick of the clock. I mean, um, the first hundred days of office of a new president are, are normally pretty chaotic as people settle into new jobs and uh, policy is formed for you know, foreign uh, policy and other things internally but what are we in now, like two or three weeks of, of President Trump uh, right. you know, like a third of the time of the first hundred days and so somewhere in that period of time if a foreign power is going to make their move to hit us they're going to have to do it pretty darn soon before people get organized
2: well, how, how can that be, especially with the narrative that, you know, Russia prop, propped up uh, Trump in the, in the election Look, I don't
0: this is all no. interesting, you know. As far as uh, you know, uh, Trump saying, "Well, look, let's see what uh, Putin wants to talk about. You know, let's let's make friends rather than enemies." Uh I will say that what I'm about to say is my opinion. I don't know the mind of the president at the moment, but if I were him, based on what he said during the campaign, if I had in my mind uh, the the uh, the plan to. Stop Russia and to limit its uh, intrusion into Europe and various places, you know. Uh, I would not make it public. I would play chess and say to Putin, okay, well, we're going to get over there. We're going to have a meeting, you know, and we're going to be friends and work out a favorable treaty. While well, in the meantime, I'm back under, you know, uh, under the covers here. I'm uh, enlarging my military. You can take what assets we've got, placing them, getting ready to. Make a defense or perhaps uh, an aggress against the Russian occupation in uh, Syria or uh, on the borders of uh, the NATO countries. So I don't, I wouldn't uh, write out uh, Trump's desire to defend the United States against Russia or China. I know he's definitely uh, publicly stated he's against China in so many ways, and I agree with that. But uh, Russia. <sighs> Mm-hmm. It, it's going to be hard to fight a two-front war against both of them at once. So if there's a move made, it's going to have to be hitting both of them at the same time.
2: Man, I'm, I, we're going to have to section this part of the program out and isolate this because I think you talk about the geopolitical situation right now, given the given the time and given the circumstances. is so yeah. extremely important, your analysis.
0: Well... Look, Israel is uh, another, you know, very volatile variable in the world situation at the moment. We know that they have at least three hundred nuclear devices, and I suspect they're primarily neutron bombs, which kill living things but don't destroy the the buildings and landscape. They send out a neutron shower when they explode, and um, well. Erdogan, for instance, Erdogan from from uh, Turkey, he's in the last week been over meeting with King Salman of Saudi Arabia. He's been over meeting with the uh, leaders of Qatar, uh, you know, the uh, in the uh, Arab states here near the Persian Gulf. He's going over and making alliances uh, with them, and yet the United States is making an alliance with Erdogan, uh, you know, Turkey to fight ISIS. Um, The alliances that he's making over the Middle East are quite worrisome because he's going with powers that could turn against the United States and Israel overnight. Now, Israel knows this. Israel's Mossad intelligence gathering is probably the best in the world, and they know how close the attack by the uh, Arab uh, Union, the 34 nations that are together under uh, Prince uh, Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia. so They've prepared themselves. They've prepared themselves for uh, um, a uh, an attack from, say, Syria, whether it be from Syria itself or, or Russians there, uh, or uh, Iranian-backed troops coming you know, with uh, General Soleimani down through the Golan Heights. Uh, Israel is totally aware of this, and so they may have to make a preemptive strike when forces start to move or missiles are launched. Uh, they've got an iron dome, a dome situation over there where they can knock out a lot of the missiles. But, you know, when you've got eight minutes to detect a missile and stop it, and, at the most, okay, uh, like Israel, that's their situation. When you've got that situation, you have to have a trigger finger that's twitchy. Uh, you've got to respond quickly. And at this time, if they do that now, a nuclear confrontation, a con- a confrontation will occur over there. Both sides probably using it, maybe even some bio warfare. This is going to make the world's nations panic. Because not only are they afraid of Israel turning missiles on them once they've, you know, used it once to defend themselves, they are afraid that the instability this will cause throughout the world economy will just destroy uh, the world economy. Uh, and no one wants that at the moment. It's in their right mind except the globalists who want to take over, you know, the planet one way or another. We are in. We are sitting on the edge of that cliff, that precipice. That's going to trigger the seven-year tribulation that the Bible has spoken of in so many ways. We're right there. I mean, you can just feel the pregnant feeling in the air when you talk to people.
3: Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, a lot of people feel that way. I mean, um, you see random people putting out stories saying, you know, uh, with the, the, they got this pit feeling in their stomach and to, you know, they feel that something major is, is happening and, and right around the horizon, uh, that there's some kind of doom coming. you got all the, you know, the, the political climate we've been talking about for weeks, this anti-Trump hysteria, this anarchist movement, the media manipulation. Um, I mean, there's just so much that we're facing and it continues to pile on. I know. I know. Yeah. And one of the things on your site that I'd I'd like to get into is what's happening at Fukushima, because there's been a lot of developments in the last week and a half, two weeks, and the media is silent.
0: I know I can't. Well, I guess I can't understand, but you know, left wing. um, But what is it? Five hundred times the density of radiation. Uh, you know, since the, the the meltdown, I mean, we got 500 times the amount of radiation leaking into the ocean and doing a wander about the the whole Pacific to the coastline. This is not good. This is definitely not good.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I heard, um, yeah, not good at all. I haven't read the story that that you have up there, but I saw a story that talked about how bad it is. Not only with the, the uh, levels of radiation so high that, you know, the robots keep dying that they send in there, but that, uh, two different things. One, that reactor number two is falling into the ocean, and also that there is a, a China syndrome situation going on under that reactor where the, there's holes that have been created due to the, the MOX fuel and the plutonium. Uh, and the nuclear waste that's in there that never was cleaned up and it's, it broke contamination and it's literally breaking off part of, uh, that reactor into the sea. And you talk about a, uh, an extinction level event or p- potential extinction level event. And are th- these increases in this amount of radiation being pumped out into the water and into the air have anything to do with, you know, mass animal die offs from whales to, uh, birds and, and so on?
0: Possibly. Uh, I think the, the birds and the whales and stuff are reacting to changes in the global climate. Um, you know, anybody that's been watching the, the the climate for the last two or three years knows that it's in a state of change and, and, and chaos and has not super uh, tornadic uh, storms and uh, numbers of tornadoes that are early and... Um, you know, like we've already had enough to equal a whole season that's just started. Um, Cold, extreme cold, where it shouldn't be extreme hot, where it shouldn't be this time of the year. But getting back to to Fukushima, it's, look, you've got three of those uh, uh, reactors that melted down. Nobody, at least no one is making known, where the reactor cores went. You know, you talk about Chernobyl, those hot cores dropped through the surface of the Earth somewhere. And I am sure, from what I've read, that uh, the people in the area there in Japan, that their water table has been polluted, their growing lands are polluted and probably getting worse
3: Yeah, I mean, this is something that you've been following um, for the last few weeks, the increased activity of volcanoes. Um, now, if I remember right, 29 active volcanoes, that was the same as um, last time you came on, correct? There's been that's right. New- that's right. Okay. Okay. Um, bringing and bringing interest any- to the,
0: the ones that are around Fukushima.
3: I mean, any yeah. earthquake, any Dan, let me ask you this, hypothetically. <clears throat> Say, well, I don't know how close these volcanoes are to Fukushima, but w- I, I guess there's no cleanup process here. There, there's no attempt, uh, you know, like Chernobyl, to, to contain and bury it and, and try to uh, conceal it from continuing to contaminate the air and the water. <laughs> if the earth opened up and swallowed it whole and, and Fukushima fell in a pit of lava, would the the danger of from the radiation still be there, or is it is, can nothing?
0: Mm, take you this know, I, I guess it depends. When you say if it opened up and and dropped into a you know pool of lava, uh, certainly that.
3: We uh, we are continuing. I mean, this was in what, 20, March of two thousand and eleven. We had the earthquake, and then two days later we had the reactors exploding. And um, I mean, they still have there's there's parts of, of the Fukushima power plant that Temco has not even been able to get into to see the damage. We're talking six years later, and, and
0: well, the robots get fried trying to get in that. have a look.
3: Yeah, what does that tell you? I mean, we only got about a, a few, few seconds before the break. But what does it mean when the radiation so high, robots can't function in that environment?
0: Well, I'll say it in this
1: little phrase: "Danger, Will Robinson,
3: danger." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that just doesn't make sense to me. The no, it doesn't. Can't function with this high. That, that just tells you how dangerous um, it is. The chemicals is. of these radiation that they, what they contain, folks. We're talking with Stan Dale. Standale.com is the website. Go to the show images page to follow along with us on what we're talking about. And Eric's doing a a great job, as always, is putting those images up on our YouTube feed. If you're listening, you can go to YouTube and watch us live uh, each and every day. But we'll be right back with Standale for our final segment after these short messages. Stay with us. (laughs)
7: Folks, I'm going to
2: direct your attention to masterpreps.com. Masterpreps.com. Wow, uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show. Masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High quality items, made in America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is. It'll blow you away. Absolutely, said. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look. At the products folks visit masterpreps.com again welcome to the hagman the hagman report family masterpreps.com
5: i mean wow it's insane masterpreps.com are you ready for what comes next
4: New year from all of us at Training Post in the
1: Woods. we pray you have a healthy, safe, and prosperous 2017.
0: And we would like to thank all of you for welcoming us to the Hagman and Hagman family. You're all a very wonderful and special group of people. Because
5: we believe it is so important for you to work and acquire good health this year, we're going to do something that we've never done before as a thank you to you for your support
6: we're going to make something available that we believe everyone needs.
4: During the month of January, anyone who invests in their health by purchasing either our American Heritage Remedies Kit, our Survivalist Natural Remedies Kit, or $200 in individual remedies of your choice, we're going to give to you our crisis remedy
1: just in case for free.
4: Your health must be a part of your preparation plan. We're here to help you with that journey. May God bless y'all, and may God bless America. Happy Happy New Year. Year!
2: Welcome to this segment of the Hagman and Hagman Reporter. Our guest, Stan Dale from StanDale.com. And uh, folks, uh, get Holly Dale's book, Dare to Prepare. I would get it soon. Um, Need to prepare. We need to be thinking about preparations. It's the responsible thing to do. And speaking of preparations, TexasReady.net, you saw their commercial uh, playing on our channel. Of course, Texas Ready Seed Banks is what we're talking about. They're rated. The highest in the world Uh, for good reason they have regionally appropriate open pollinated heirloom seeds and um you know hybrid seeds are only good for uh one garden they don't reproduce true to type that's why it's necessary to produce stable 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 say it with me stable heirloom seeds um Texas Ready uses only certified seeds. They think you're worth it. We do as well. You know they've got uh, a couple of different sizes of seed banks, but each Texas Ready seed bank contains 80 plus varieties of vegetables and fruits, including eight dual-purpose herbs like culinary and uh, medicinal. So, the, and the larger banks come with the training manuals which teach you how to garden properly. Garden properly. Let me tell you, that's what I need. It's a tremendous resource. The seeds are are stored in a uh, uh, ammo can, and let me tell you, they're virtually indestructible. There, they've got a, just a wonderful, uh, wonderfully long shelf life. And you know, if you're concerned about radiation and other things, you, you need to have seeds in your pantry. TexasReady.net. dot net. They'll fix you right up. TexasReady.net. dot Make sure you tell them the Hyman report sent you. Our guest is Stan Dale from StanDale.com. dot Stan, com. Stan, can we um. Any feelings on the uh, dam situation in California, or or is that? Do you feel like addressing that? Because we have so many people who want to get, want to get your take on what's taking place and what your what your thoughts might be.
0: Well, you mean other than the fact that it eroded and blew out and they fixed it and <laughs> then people are going back home? Well,
2: what? Well, uh, we've got we've got reports of another seven days
3: starting tomorrow. Seven days of rain. Plus the snowmelt, yeah. um, and they're saying, you know, a few days ago they were saying how uh, volatile and dangerous the situation was. Two hundred thousand plus evacuations. Now they're, you know, a day and a half later, telling people to come back, but at the same time to to keep their eyes open because uh, the situation could turn bad again. Um, and it doesn't seem like they've they've fixed anything. It, it, do you well, see you know, this the big
0: they haven't. I mean, look at how much money they're spending by absorbing all these illegal aliens and giving them the, the, the give-me programs, the freebies, when they could have been spending that money on infrastructure repair. It's not a, a, a surprise. Uh, the, the geologists in California have been warning about this for a decade, and they're not getting the budget for it because the bleeding hearts are taking in these illegals. Uh, I'm not going to be soft on that. neither Holly, We we are absolutely curious what they've done in California, and I'm a big supporter of President Trump going in and saying, right, no more funding from us till you guys get your house in order and do the right thing. They're not taking care of the people there. They're the Americans anyway. Yeah. Amen, brother. Oh, okay. This is just one little part of the thing. I, I'm, I'm going to grind my teeth tonight and sleep, I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> Holly laughs, but I just... Easy you know now, i now,
1: brother.
3: Yeah. yeah. yeah, and we see the uh, continued battle, uh, the immigration battle, from the Trump executive order, and to these federal judges, and, and this whole, um, you know, media psyop, and you know, politi- political politicians and the uh, political pundits are involved in the psyop, also saying things like, uh, you know, by deporting criminal illegal aliens, you're making our country less safe, and. This is racism, and you know every X, Y, and Z, every other excuse. But you're right. On, I mean, you're right on the money, Stan. It's uh, it's amazing. And I saw a clip on Sean Hannity last night where he showed Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, and then Obama separately, um, and their different campaigns, and when they were in the Senate and running for president, and when Bill was president, talking about building walls and how illegal immigration hurts our country, hurts our economy. But now that it's Trump. You know, they turn around and, and paint him as, you know, this this villain for um, promoting the laws of this land. It truly is insane.
0: It is insane. You know, it, 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 there's a, an article, actually you ought to see the video of the day. It's a four-minute thing from um, um, uh, Bill Riley, Bill Riley um, uh, uh, where, where he's talking about the things that the left have been doing, the dishonesty and all that they've been doing. Um, you know particularly folks in the media he said um, and there's another thing one of the articles that she has on the right hand side which is more like a US type news and down about oh a quarter of the way down our website page there's a picture of a concrete wall with a column up the top of over the guard tower and you're looking at the wall from inside israel versus you know the other side which is the palestinians are trying to keep out and you look at that wall and you think wow we need one of those you know in our southern borders and uh you know in certain places up in the northern border as well but uh i've also seen pictures of of late about uh, palestinians trying to get over that wall and unless you have the guard towers they, these little devils, they'll, they'll put two or three ladders and tie them together with, uh, you know, cloth almost and, 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 uh, army belts and they'll scamper up to the top of a three story wall like that and start over the top. Now, uh, according to, uh, a GOP senator in the article there it says that they've cut illegal immigration into Israel with these walls by 99%. It, uh, you know, It does require policing, whether it be with drones or cameras or whatever you've got to see, because where there's a wall, there's a way to get over it. And so it might slow down the amateurs. But you got to also probe the underground tunnels. You've got to probe the over-the-top guys and, and send a team out to stop them. Um, it, uh, it takes a combination of several factors, like uh, Trump's been saying. You can't just build a wall, and you can't build a wall in some place where there's a river. You've got to have other methods of detecting illegal immigration and stopping it. Uh, sadly, so much of it has happened already that it's going to cause a lot of social problems as we get rid of the ones that we need to get rid of.
3: Not deport them, I mean, sorry. I <laughs> guess I would qualify that. No, yeah, you're right. The, uh, I mean, there's so much more that goes into border security than than just a, a physical barrier. And, you know, we've talked on the show about how that seems to be symbolic more so than anything when we see how... Um, You know, these people find ways to get in, and you need the enforcement on the ground. You need the technology and and capabilities to to seek out those tunnels, to to find the loopholes. It's a a joint, unified effort, and it can't be done just by building a wall. A wall will not solve anything. Uh, It needs to be a multi-pronged approach. Wall alone. Right.
0: Yeah, and I saw, you know, I'm sure you did too, that during the Obama administration he deported some 480,000 uh, people. Well, big deal. If you deport them and they turn right around and come back across the border, what's the use of it? You know? Uh, it, it's uh, It was a useless statistic. It was a useless effort because he was letting them come back in. And, and, those, that,
2: and that number also included interceptions, catching, or interceptions at the border.
0: And catch and release animals. type
2: stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yep. Holly and I made friends years ago with uh, one of the border patrolmen down there, and uh, we had, in fact, we still talk with him uh, by email. Uh, you know, and we listened to the the woeful complaints in the you know from the, the the border guards about what they weren't being given to let them do their job properly, and uh, it, you know they had would almost given up. And I was so glad to see President Trump get to that uh, you know to the border patrol you know, get the head in there and and start giving them what they need, uh, approving things they need. Anyways, it's getting the cows out of the, the barn, I'm sure, but still.
3: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And the, the one thing, the after some of uh, the actions Trump took, the Border Patrol agents came out and said, you know, thank you for giving us the tools that will allow us to do our jobs properly. And that's I know. When, you know. When you see that, it's just you've got to scratch your head and wonder, you know, what were they doing the last eight years and why wasn't there, why wasn't there a bigger commotion made about their lack of ability to... It's almost like the rules of engagement in other countries, how the Army's been so neutered uh, in dealing with the rules of engagement to the point it puts them in danger uh, by the rules the U.S. has set up, and the same thing goes for the Border Patrol.
0: Uh, hey, yeah, I mean, hey... Uh well, rules of engagement. Uh, you know, I think they stopped this, but for a while we had this. Well, look, we have to take a nuclear strike first in the United States before we can actually go back and and, and bomb somebody. That's dumb. I mean, yeah. that's
1: counterproductive.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I would. I'm, I'm I'm laughing because yeah, it's. Uh, uh, who did that? Clinton? was that was that Clinton or was that Obama? I, that that um, Obama.
0: Who did that, Holly? Clinton or Obama or Bush? Who did the strike first before we retaliate the nuclear strike? That was, uh, Clinton
1: that Clinton. did it. Yeah.
0: And that withdrew it I think. Oh, Clinton withdrew it, did he? Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, that kind of no. nonsense, of course, has gone into uh, the rules of engagement for our military, and you know, uh, like what last couple of days, uh, a Russian cruise missile we we're talking about, it came within two hundred meters of one of our ships. Uh, you know, yeah. I'd have shot the thing down, but uh, rules of engagement say you can't do things like that.
2: Yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. You are you are you are one hundred percent right. And I I, I look at uh, what you said earlier about the turmoil, you know, the. the I, I, I look at the government turmoil, and, and uh, I stand this morning, I, I, and I don't watch MSNBC, I, I really don't, I don't really care for Scarborough, or, you know, Morning Joe Scarborough, or uh, Mika Brzezinski, but uh, I couldn't believe, I, it was like kind of watching like a train wreck in slow motion, how they were... They, 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 were, they were saying our country is in turmoil. It's in chaos. This is a Category Five hurricane-like event in our in, in, in our government. We are uh, our country is out of control. And being the, the bleakest of bleak pictures. And then you turn on, on for example, you switch to Fox, and they're saying, uh, "Well, you know, we there's a leak. We have to find the leak," and and, and so on. But um, you got Flynn as the the magnet of controversy. Um yeah not the leaks, yeah, I mean, what do you make of all i uh, i i just i don't know I just want to have a conversation with you about this i the, the, to, to me and and how that fits in within the context of what you said earlier about making us ripe for um an attack invasion, whatever it might be you know whatever antagonistic uh, approach there might be by by foreign entities it's, it's almost as if the left wants us
0: it's almost as if what
2: the progressives want this.
0: I think they do. They want to have a global society, these do-gooder left-wing people. You know, but the underlying part of all this started in 1954 with the Cold War, you know, with the the fifth columnist from the communist country, particularly Russia, coming in the United States, infiltrating our seminaries to teach, you know, religion on a left-wing social thing, rather than the truth of the Bible. We've had so many things uh, infiltrated by these communists that uh, these spontaneous movements we see really are organized by the, the communists, and they want the United States to go to communism. And if it doesn't, then they want to destroy it. So how can they support it? It's because they're idiots. I mean, they're going to cut their nose off to spite their face. They're going to die because of what they're supporting. I don't understand why they can't see this.
1: Boy, I'll tell
2: you, you just struck a chord with me. you got these women dressed up as female body parts, You know, whether they're 8 years old, 18, or 80, Okay, and they're an embarrassment to humanity. For the, for crying out loud, and, and, and they're, they're they're out there in the, marching in the streets, uh, advocating Sharia law with Linda Sarsour and uh, Donna Hilton and, and these other communists, basically. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. I just uh, you know the the, the, the internal rage it, with respect to this.
5: Oh,
0: like or- about, organizing like- that as well. I'm yeah. um, sure he's helping the communist cause.
5: Yeah, it's it's they're
2: feel the burn, and, and a lot of the millennials—not not 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 all of them, but a lot of them—want the socialism. They believe in socialism. It's anti-capitalism. It's pro-socialism, pro-communism, and they believe that Sharia can be uh, can uh, you know uh, aligned with with the communist agenda, which I suppose it could to an extent. And then, of course, well, one of the two would have to win out, but uh, certainly capitalism would be uh gone by that but how can people be so blind uh you know the the, the feminists uh, marching with the with the homosexuals uh with the Muslims it just hey, the uh, whole what, what does
0: russia what does russia feel about homosexuals do they arrest them or do they let them happen
2: you know i i, I don't know
0: what does Sharia law do with them
2: <laughs> well the Sharia yeah they okay toss them over there yeah uh, i
0: mean is, these idiots, they're trying to bring in what's going to kill them.
2: Oh, yeah. Makes no sense. I,
0: look, the, the, the thesis, antithesis concept that has been discussed for decades, it's where you have communist extremes, you have, and socialism is part of that, and you have capitalist extremes, runaway capitalism. So the objective is to... Confront these things together and form a synthesis out of that, which becomes sort of an incentivized social communism, <laughs> if you can imagine that in your mind. We've lived under socialism in Australia, Holly and I, and I guarantee you, you don't want to do that. It just, it's, you're taxed to death. You stand in lines. I mean, it's just.
3: <sighs> wow. It's, yeah, not you, it's not the utopia. It's not the societal utopia that everybody is. is told us it is
0: <laughs> no it's not i mean you know the first they took the guns away over some uh, deal down in tasmania a guy gets loose and kills a bunch of people so then they take the guns away you know on the surface but now then they're slowly letting people have guns and belong to gun clubs and stuff uh and then they sell australia to china and japan i mean they're just huge mm-hmm. millions of acres gone into ownership by china and japan it happened while we were down there, and now 20 years later, it's even worse. Um, they're idiots down there, and they have left-wing socialists like you wouldn't believe. In fact, the whole country is that way. Their Their right-wing party is left of center of what we would look at. So I'm telling you, that's how bad it is. And they're paying well. the price for it now.
2: Yeah, 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 okay. Give me <laughs> yeah, I, well, it, it seems like the entire world is—I shouldn't say the entire world, but a majority of people are shifting so far to the left, and, and the 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 people on the right are shifting further right, and that's creating this big divide. This, uh, yes. uh, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Well, let's look at this, guys. We have. A global economy that's on the, the, the edge of just collapsing, you know, they say the stock market is a bubble, the land prices are, you know, the housing is a bubble. We have diseases that are spreading throughout the, the world that are getting worse as as years go by, the flus and various other things. Um and, and, uh, like, you know, flesh eating type things or, or, uh, you know, uh, I forget what they call them, but the ones that make you bleed out the eyes and ears and stuff, these terrible hemorrhagic fever, right. Uh, And uh, it's been contained, they say. We have earthquakes increasing in diverse places. We have volcanoes that are starting to threaten us. We have nuclear meltdowns. We have social uh, and military unrest around the planet, like you just said. Um, And we we even have the threat of incoming asteroids and meteors that are just getting a little bit more pronounced. Um, The threat of nuclear war.
3: you know, um you know you hear the order out of chaos a lot, but when you think about it, no true order can come out of chaos. It would just breed more chaos. but what they're trying to do through the chaos is bring a semblance of order or the what will appear to be order in the initial stages, which will obviously turn into chaos as the uh, uh you know the persecution and the tribulation and all that start but like you said. They're setting everything up as a disaster. Everything up is, um, you know, all all messed up, all across the board, so that it does clear the way for somebody to step in and say, "Okay, I know how to fix it. We're going to do A, B, C, and D." Then you get to the point. You got to worship me, and we're talking about you know prophecy and the Antichrist, and that's yeah. exactly what they're doing.
0: Like we're we're obviously getting very close to a point in time where people uh, will be encouraged to uh, take a digital number for their bank account to get rid of, uh, you know, criminal organizations using cash and, uh, you know, um people will say, well, look, we need to have it on our body because, you know, the mark, the digital mark, because our credit cards could be stolen and they could steal our account, so we need to have protection like that. People are going to cry out for some, you know, solution to this threat and um the The V approach, you know, the invading aliens that are friendly, is really the way it's going. I've been saying every year, this must be the year, and and Holly reminds me, I've been saying it for many years, but Mm -hmm. it just keeps getting worse and worse before it's going to just drop out of the sky on us. I've been watching the UFO reports. I put a UFO watch alert on Google News every day to see... What the reports are, and how many of them are just idiots reporting, you know, lights in the sky that are really balloons or whatever, and how many of them are real, and we're seeing more of the real things occur.
2: Yeah, yeah, we are. Still, we got man, a lot of work. Wow. Yeah,
1: we got a few. Yeah, well,
0: Holly's just reminded me that last week a Belgian company offered its employees um uh, a, a microchipping ID. You know, instead of, ID instead of an oh, yeah. ID card to get in the building. So, it's a
3: Microsoft, Microsoft called for a digital Geneva convention today in a policy speech, um, given by uh, president of Microsoft, Brad Smith, ta- calling for tech companies to declare themselves neutral, um, when it comes to cyberspace. But then they go on to talk about the technological revolution. And in part of that, um, what they are saying is, Uh, There was a bill introduced that they talked about at this Digital Geneva Convention, but for outlawing microchip for human use. A Nevada senator introduced a bill to prohibit forced microchipping of people. Why would a senator have to introduce a bill opposing forced microchipping of people if it wasn't something that was in the plan uh, or already in the works?
0: True, And again, you know, they could make the argument on the other side about microchipping, saying, look, we're not going to force you to do it. I mean, if you don't want it, then okay, um, maybe you can barter and pay your bills that way. But we've got to go to this safe digital currency, and that's the best way we know how to do it. You know, so you, of course, if you don't do it, you're just cut out of society. You don't exist anymore. Hmm. This is the point, you know, look, this is why people need to have their, 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 food stores or medicine or water, anything they can put together in their home or their you know, bug out place or whatever, you need to have that because it's gonna come a time if we're still here, that we can't buy and sell, we can't own property, no matter whether it's paid off or not. I mean how could you get money from your property if you gotta have you know, you can't sell it unless you have a, a number, you know, to put it into a digital bank account. The you know uh, people need to get a hold of prudent places that CD a book on CD. Ramon Holly has. There's so much information in there about 72 major threats to every county in the United States. You need to see what's in your area and how yes. to get ready for it. Uh, you know where the invasions are coming from from China and Russia, from prophecy and various other sources. Uh, if you live in these areas, maybe it's time to get out of Dodge. Uh, every. You know, it not only shows the threats, but the, the strengths of various, uh, you know, uh, counties. So you know which are the better places to, to to be, or if you're there already, what your strong points are. Uh, yep. We're so far, you know, in this household, we're so far ahead of the curve trying to warn people. I mean, it's been, what has it been, Holly, like, like 20 years since we've been doing this. And, you know, it's there, guys. I mean, you just got to... Reach out and get a go to our prepare dot com site. It's free. Get in there and start pulling down information and food sources and all. Of it. You don't have to buy a single thing. Just go look. Amen. Anyway, I,
1: go. I, yeah. we're
0: just so close that people need to just wake up. You know, wake up.
2: Well, you, you, you said it. We are we are close, and people can feel it. As you started out by saying it, it it's palpable. And, and but folks, dare to prepare. Prudent Places USA, absolute. In my view, must especially for the time period in which we live, as well as
3: Cosmic Conspiracy. I love that book;
2: that uh, it gives <clears> you a good <throat> overview. That's right? Yeah,
3: it's been a long time since I wrote
0: that book and updated. I guess in twenty ten, but we've we've done well over a quarter of a million copies of it over the years in three languages. So I guess that's that awesome. tells you. I mean, it tells itself. We don't we don't promote those things.
3: Man, that's awesome. Stan, I've got a question on the show images page, as we have just a few short minutes left. Okay, what what's going on in the ar- Arctic?
0: Well, um, as you uh, can see from the show images page, the it says uh, number sixteen that the Arctic is seriously weird, and then number nineteen the Canadian glaciers. Now, the first thing is uh, the Arctic sea ice extent—you know how far it goes. Instead of increasing out that its winter time, it's decreasing. It's starting to fall back down, you know, and it should be increasing, which tells you that it's too warm for it. And, and they've been looking at what caused it. Was it like, you know, uh, a glacier slipping off, breaking off of, uh, uh, the Arctic uh, land masses up there, you know, around Greenland, whatever, or was it melt? And, you know, the, the amount of melt is like, um, let's see, it's over here in the Canadian Glacier site in that article there. It's like 900% um, of you know, ice melt or disappearing from the cap, uh, ice caps up in the, in the north. And that's like, instead of three gigatons per year, it's now 30 gigatons are melting away. And the air temperatures are warming. And, uh, you know, uh, read into this and say, okay, if they're melting, that's contributing to sea level rise. Do you live on a coastal area where, you know, um, three feet to six feet of uh, sea level rise could uh, move inland to where your property is and you'd lose it? Uh, you know, like you know, in Louisiana and in New Orleans area or a number of places around the planet, little island chains and stuff, that uh, there are 50-some out of those that are down almost to sea level anyway. But people ought to be looking at these things because the changes we've been talking about are, against now. I mean, these articles tell you that.
3: You know, the, the problem I have is we see so many conflicting reports. Some say that the, uh, you know, Arctic ice is melting. Others say, you know, that's only parts of, of the Arctic where on, you know, the other side that the ice is, is, uh, continuing to grow and accumulate. And, um, there's just not, I mean, there's so many conflicting reports when it comes to this. And I know we're, we're running out of time here, Stan, but we talked about this on the show, the, uh, globe, man-made global warming, NOAA, you know, coming out being shown that they manipulated um, the data that made the case for global warming man-made global warming and climate change yeah Uh, I mean it's just so who do you trust um well, that's, that's you can trust
0: your, yourself when you see the the weather, the climate changing so drastically. I mean, uh, I'm afraid that we're going to see our trees and flowers start to try to bud. In fact, a couple of the, uh, the, uh, the early butter trees here, uh, what do they call those trees? No, no, the other ones, the, the uh, the big bushy trees that are now starting to show. Ah, uh, right. Well, anyway, um, willow, they're like a willow, globe willow tree. And those around here are starting to put, uh, you know, buds out. And and this is February, guys. We're not even, we're months away from springtime. If this continues, we're probably going to see a lot of crops die in Florida and California because of early uh, spring, false spring, and then it freezes them and kills them. We've already seen half of our orchard uh, destroyed last year by these uh, false uh, spring things and then freezes and we're not alone. A lot of people around our area see that. So look at what's happening around you. You don't need to trust all the reports or worry about it. To, you can see it happening around you.
2: And, and you are indeed correct, sir. Well, you brought us to the end of the program, Stan. I want to say thank you so much. And uh, we, we do hope you had a great birthday and certainly a, a good Valentine's Day today. Thank you for. Oh, we did. We sharing. did.
0: We, we uh, even had a piece of little you know, chocolate uh, coated cherries.
2: <laughs> That's nice. Well, all right, my brother. Well, thank you. Thank right. you. To you and Holly, God pleasure. bless. We'll see you next week. All right.
3: Bye-bye. Folks, that'll do it for us. It's stay safe. report. safe. Yeah, stay safe. God bless. Have a great evening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.